What are you drinking? Uh, I've got hot chocolate and a soda and a bottle of water. Hmm. Yeah. What are you drinking? All together, huh? Yeah. Hot chocolate and what kind of soda? Dr. Pepper. Okay. This is my... I just... Until I have mix, to pee. Can you mix hot chocolate and soda? So I drink the hot chocolate until it's gone. Then I'll drink some uh-huh. water. And then at some uh-huh. point, there'll be the unfortunate sound. And I'll drink some Dr. Pepper until I have to pee. And then I'll either get more water or something else from the fridge. I mean, I don't know. I thought about pulling out some beers for this one, but I don't know. Wow. Buffy didn't rate beer, huh? I, my throat was a little sore, so I went with the hot chocolate. Okay. What about you? What kind of hot chocolate? I'll, I'll tell you what I'm drinking in a second. I'm just a little, I want to dive a little deeper here. Is this like the kind of like carnation, like, you know, water and powder? So I think I mentioned that uh, when my mother came to visit a few months ago, uh-huh. she she likes to have like the Keurig thing going on. So she bought me a Keurig mm-hmm. that I pretty much only ever use when I'm like sick, except for these last mm-hmm. few months. Well, which, you know, I've been sick, but um, so I bought a shit ton of like a uh, Starbucks, uh, hot cocoa, uh, K cups. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But it's ultimately it's water and mm-hmm. whatever that is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know if there's like some kind of fancy schmancy proper way to make hot chocolate that like a, like a test that I'm failing in that regard. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're going to tell me. I do have two cans of sipping chocolate. I've never used them. Wow. So are you just a more erudite, astute, man about town because you have them or because you have them and don't use them i just like to say the words sipping chocolate okay um i mean for me hot chocolate i, I just go to starbucks and you know get their hot chocolate which oh, i kind of do that steamed milk and uh oh, wow. you know chocolate so it's like a mocha without the espresso okay mm-hmm. that's all right i don't actually really know what i don't know anything about coffee so mm-hmm. i've i've gotten Good for a while, just kind of nodding, and I assume people don't really care. I mean, I don't actually know what espresso is. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't really know what it is. Hmm. I okay. also don't really care, so I assume we're all in the same. As I understand, it's all variations of hot milk, basically. Hmm. <laughs> I've heard that Max Temkin rant. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll let that be. Yeah. Uh, what am I having? Uh, gin and tonic. There you go. And I also have a uh, like a backup Mountain Dew here. If I need a little kick later on. Nice, mm-hmm. little little Dew and gin and tonic. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about mixing. Mountain yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I need to give you the rest of those long drinks next time you come over to do laundry. Well, theoretically, that's it. In in another, you know, few weeks, I should finally have my washer and dryer delivered that I ordered two months ago. There you go. Anyway, should we start the pod? Might as well. I know this is scintillating. People want to hear about our espresso takes, you know. Do you have an espresso take? I clearly don't. Uh, I'm just going to say I know what it is. Okay. I'm not saying it's a bad thing that you don't. I'm just saying that I'm aware of what it is. I don't know. I don't know anything about coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I drink tea, drink but, hot chocolate. But how, can you, how can you lord that over someone? I guess you're doing like the, the reverse. Um, you know, I take my, uh, my lording over points where I can get them and I'm fine getting them mm-hmm. elsewhere. Okay. So you, you zagged. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the guy who's just like coffee. Oh, you're all watching that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Posers. You're still drinking coffee. Wow. 
Why don't you man up and start drinking your own piss? Hello and welcome to Hit Cannon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. Hi. Hello. We're back. We didn't really go anywhere. No, we didn't. No one's going anywhere. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, fuck you. <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose in some areas of the country we're quote unquote reopened. Wear your fucking mask. All right. That's all I'm saying. We'll see how that goes. I, again, I don't have. I don't know. I shouldn't have to explain to you in 2020 why other people matter. Why other people not getting sick is a good thing for you too. I think some people just. I don't know. I kind of wonder if some people don't understand how like viruses work. Because <laughs> like I don't know. You know, I I read the Hot Zone back in the day. I read Andromeda Strain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm like a virologist or anything, but I have a basic understanding of like how infection works. Maybe some people mm-hmm. just don't really. I think a lot of people think that if you're just over it mm-hmm. or don't think about it, you've defeated it. Or like you can't get a cold in the summertime type of thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyhow, this week we're going to be talking about three episodes of Buffy season two, uh, Lie to Me, Surprise, and Innocence. Um, these are these are a fun little trip down memory lane for sure. For real. And then I guess... I mean, I, I kind of already know what we're going to do next, although we'll discuss that at the end of the pod. But, Interesting. Um, what are we going to do next? Yeah, no, I, I feel like it's a little better to just, we'll see how this goes, but like to just do three rather than trying to cram like seven or eight episodes in. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think we were like, oh, we'll do five episodes on Lost. When yeah, in retrospect, like, maybe, maybe it wasn't, maybe it's not such a bad thing to do like 10 episodes on Lost, whatever. Mm-hmm. If we keep doing the TV thing sporadically as a fun little treat, I don't know, man. Maybe, uh, maybe at the end of this road, this dark, dark road, maybe we'll do a few episodes of Riverdale. Uh, do we have to? Here's here's what would make the experiment especially fun and excruciating. Mm. One episode, we let people listening, like all four of them, they pick. Okay. I mean, what do like, is there like a, I don't know, popular Riverdale episode? Is there one like, oh, you you gotta watch, you know, S2E13. That's a classic. I mean, at least with PLL, you could like talk about episode titles. I mean, what, what classic film did they rip off the title for loosely for a thing? I Mm. mean, it's going to be like, someone's going to be like the one where like the bear fucks Archie or whatever, or maybe he fucks the bear back. I don't remember. Mm hmm. All right. Well, um, before we get into Buffy, <laughs> what are you watching? Uh, I have not watched much this week. Like uh, continuing a few episodes of Community. I watched a few episodes of Rest Development. Um, I watched a movie called Aniara, and I really haven't turned on a TV or a screen like that in a while. Hmm. What about you? Okay. Uh, so I watched two episodes of The Great. Oh. The yeah. El Fanning Nicholas Holt show. How's that? Um, it's it's decent. You know, it's it does have the little bit of feel of like the favorite. I don't know, like slightly lesser the favorite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Nicholas Holt's having a lot of fun. The tone is odd, but I don't know. I I could watch more of it. We'll see if I can make through the season. I read a book about Catherine a couple of years ago, and her life is 
a lot more interesting than than bullshit rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Am I watching anything else? So I suppose I mean other than Buffy, not really now. Mm. Uh, what do you listen to? Ooh, today I listened to Leaky Lee. I listened to Lucius. Apparently, I was just going down the L's in my iTunes. Uh, I don't know what else I've listened to in the last week. What about you? While I scroll through my iTunes. Well, um, just because we're watching Buffy, I happen to listen to a little of the uh, Once More with Feeling soundtrack. Nice. Of course. Nice. Um, also, strangely, just because I was in a certain mood while writing, I listened to Call Me Maybe on repeat about 20 times. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Uh, I read anything. I read The Overstory by Richard Powers this week. Okay. I did not. No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really reading anything new right now. Okay, cool. Busy writing and falling asleep. Excellent. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it'll be five in the morning and I'm like trying to read over what I've done and I keep falling asleep and I'm like, is this a bad sign? Is, is what I read uh, not compelling or is it just that I'm about to pass out? Or is it five in the morning? Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season two. Do you have an opening statement? Yeah. Uh, Dodge me for a minute, everyone. So Buffy season one, a little bit of biographical detail. Buffy season one was the show that I felt like I discovered in a vacuum. This was my season one was my guilty pleasure show. Like season two was when it's I like realized. It underground for you. Well, it was like because this is also the time of landlines. I'm, I'm, in the, I'm the same age as Buffy. So like I turned off uh, or like unplugged phones so people wouldn't call on Monday nights when Buffy was on because I also had my sick little crush on Sarah Michelle Gellar. But uh, season two of Buffy is when this show really fucking started getting it. Um, it's when the show became the legend that we all know and love. I mean, it's dated for sure. It's a time capsule or it's a time capsule nature to it. But still, this show, you watch like these three episodes and it's a relative masterpiece of like building relatable and lovable characters, a managing tone on a TV show lets you do a lot of things. The pacing, my God, the, the pacing is magnifique. Um, you could learn a lot worse ways to do a TV show than what's on display here. Uh, the way it balances like massive stakes, huge storylines with like very personal stakes and horror and relatable characters and shit that they have to live through and survive. Um, and these three episodes, I think, not only showcase what made this show great, but what took it to the next level, which was a place afterwards. I felt like it was forever going. Um, like Lost, these are not just TV characters. They're friends. They're family. It was good seeing them. It was a painful reminder of who some of them actually are, and, and I didn't realize at the time. Um, I know with a lot of shows, the favorite character of most people isn't the main character. That was never really the case with me with, with Buffy. Um, she was always my girl, always would be, always will be. So I love that these focused on her. Um, also, I don't think it's just shocked anyone that a percentage of Jennifer Valentine's DNA is made up of Buffy Summers. Um, <laughs> but like trouble would not exist without Buffy. I, I think you would agree. Uh, the show really nails sure. the teenage experience, albeit mostly metaphorically, but in a way that most shows don't, in ways where they don't take teens seriously, rather than making them like mouthpieces for adult TV writers working on their issues, which is definitely present here. I feel like they make them teenagers. There's warts and weirdness and confusion about growing up and all. Um, and you really get a sense that Buffy's high school years were about like feeling things, not knowing how to express them, because you care about your significant other, your friend, and you're hurt, and you're keeping secrets. Um, that said, fuck. Taking in Xander now is a lot different experience than Xander back then. <laughs> a lot different. Um, 
he truly is adjacent to something gross in men that we've seen blossom a little too strongly more recently, like the nice guy who's really, really not that nice and actually has a lot of issues of women. But it's like those people maybe didn't start out that way. Maybe they started like this and they things didn't go the way they thought they should. And anyway, um, also just a word on this epoch and the timeline of my mega crush on Sarah Michelle Geller. Uh, she looks fantastic here. Holy shit. Her season two look is goddamn. God damn. So I leave it there. All right. Uh, yeah, this show, it's, it's so firmly linked to my late teens and early 20s that revisiting it now, it's it's comforting, it's nostalgic, it's occasionally embarrassing. Uh, these are some all-time classic episodes we watched. It's hard not to notice certain Whedonisms on display that he'll go on to use over and over again, which can maybe diminish their appeal a little. I mean, you know, they were here first, so you got to give credit there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just... You know, the whole Joss Whedon scumbag husband thing. It's in the back of your mind when you're watching it. Mm. Uh, but all that being said, it's just really impressive to see how well the show still holds up. Um, the dramatic work, it's it's so simple, so tight. Um, it, it almost seems like a lost art now to make TV like this. Like just in the light of the episode, it's like, oh, this is about Buffy not being sure she can trust Angel. But then she's also being lied to by an old friend. And then it kind of brilliantly wraps it all up with those lies serving as like a gateway between adolescence and adulthood at the end of the episode. It's just so tight, so thematically rich. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, she's got a lot of cry scenes in these episodes, and mm-hmm. she crushes them. Allison Hannigan as Willow, such a delight. Nicholas Brandon as Xander, and he really inhabits the character. Uh, I miss this show. I miss this kind of television where there's an overarching story, but not everything is serialized. I just, I really hope that the style can eventually make a comeback, maybe after the peak TV bubble verse. Mm-hmm. I mean, the show is... It's so good that I watch it and then I go look at some of my writing and I'm just like, fuck, fuck, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) not nearly as good. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, you got to wonder if uh, Joss Whedon is like, oh, thank God, here comes Neil Gaiman. Maybe I won't be the scumbag husband. I mean, who was the scumbag in that situation? You know what? (laughs) Here's the thing. I... I do ultimately have a fondness for Amanda Palmer, even though she is wow, wretched. Okay. <laughs> Both of them are horrible. So the fact that this is like playing out in a very disgusting public way is it's good TV. That's that's what makes it palatable. It would be if one of them was the, the pure villain, I think it'd be grosser. Yeah, you know, yeah. But. Like I, I because of Dresden Dolls, I think I will always listen with one ear open whenever she comes up and it's been really hard in the last 15 years <laughs> so this was just hilarious um but yeah i was thinking that though you said about the the whedonisms it's not as prevalent though it's a different kind of thing like the sorkinisms where like sorkin will use like straight recurring lines yeah, ad yeah. Nauseum. i guess it's more the the style of the dialogue yeah. more than like the specific verbiage of it yeah his language with the english or his relationship with the english language mm-hmm. like the fact that you can get away with phrases like love will make you do the wacky mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> wake up and smell the hottie <laughs> or but the way he'll also adapt catchphrases or or slogans like uh in season one the absolutely utterly vicious way that cordelia assassinates willow by saying oh willow you've seen the softer side of sears yeah it's brutal um yeah sorry so three episodes yeah so we're gonna start with s2e7 lie to me um in my opinion and, and perhaps in the opinion of uh, others as well the 
maybe the first episode of the show, if you're not counting Prophecy Girl, that kind of bumps it up a level. You know, you, you see that it's more than just a Monster Week show. There's kind of bigger themes at play. I would argue that the season premiere of this season strongly hints at that. Okay. Um, well, especially um, Buffy. So Buffy coming back from time of her fucking father, dealing with the PTSD of having died and what does that mean for her, mixed in with how can she express and act out through her sexuality in a high school way. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I've got like three top moments and then we can just kind of talk about the episode. I have six. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you hit me with some of yours? Uh, roughly Ford quoting, my number six, Ford quoting the lines from the 1973 of Dracula. Okay. Yeah. Um, I completely forgot. I haven't, I haven't, when, when have you watched these last? Um, hmm. I had already had Lie to Me downloaded, so. I must have watched it sometime in the past 10 years. Okay. Like I've, I've probably seen all these within a decade. Mm. Some of the later stuff I probably haven't seen very recently. I have not seen like season two in a long, long time. Um, I did listen to last year a lot, a podcast called Fire Battery Pretty with uh, um, Amanda, who did the original art for the Trouble book. Um, mm. And so I had like some familiarity like listening to her and her co-host talk about Xander was really like it's like I knew it's kind of like that Back to the Future thing, the Captain Ron thing, or not Captain Ron, um, overboard thing. Sorry, sorry, overboard thing. Where it's like you know, like if you go back and examine it, it's kind of gross. But like they really like lived through Xander's a scumbag. Um, anyway, so it's it was those some of these little moments were such a surprise to me because I hadn't hadn't been in touch with the show for a while. But uh, number five. Angel Xander and Willow meet Chanterelle at the Sunshine Club. She's going on about the lonely ones who are above us. Don't want to hurt people because they're exalted. And Angel's like, you're a fool. And she's like, you don't have to be so confrontational about it. Uh, and then Xander gives Angel this look like real nice. Uh, and then the dude walks down dressed exactly like Angel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Number four. Uh, Buffy gets trapped in the club with these delusional teens. And she is just going to like fucking take them to town. Uh, once the sun goes down, Spike and all his friends are going to be dining on the all-you-can-eat moron bar. Oh, I love it. All right. So let's see. My number three, uh, when Spike is talking to is Ford, right? Mm-hmm. Billy Ford. Uh, he says, yeah, I've known you for two minutes and I can't stand you. I really don't feature you living forever. Can I eat in there, love? <laughs> love that. I mean, Spike was like immediately a fan favorite character. Yeah, I mean... Well, it was supposed to be around for like three episodes, and then he lasted then for a really long time. To, he was supposed to be killed by Angelus, I think, and mm. they just didn't. Yeah, and he's he's a great character, except for that one moment. Ah, man. That one moment. I mean, we, we, we'll probably get there eventually. I'm just <laughs> not sure exactly what the... If, if that was the, the right way to go with the show, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can talk about what I think they were going for there, but, you know, what they're going for and what's there, or the map and the territory are different, and both are kind of hard. Anyway, my number three, uh, Angel stops by Buffy's place and tells her about Drusilla, and uh, it's like she really has to reason with the fact that her boyfriend has a whole, because he's an adult, and then some has a whole history that she doesn't know about. And it's a lot of it's gross. 
Uh, my number two, you kind of mentioned this. It's when Angel's talking about the uh, like the vampire posers or whatever. He says, these people don't know anything about vampires, what they are, how they live, how they dress. And then, like, dude walks by in the exact same outfit. <laughs> it's the kind of humor that, uh, I don't know, It's it was probably more funny at the time because I feel like it's been ripped off so much now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, a lot of the Marvel movies are kind of, like, infested with that because of Whedon's influence. Mm-hmm. But at the time, like... This show is just like subversively super funny. Really like enjoyed taking down good guy Angel and and just making fun of him. Well, just or just making tropes him a nerd. in general. It was yeah. it was very like genre aware. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um my number two is, you know, Ford's reasoning with, with to her about why he wants to become a vampire, how the others are sheep. It's like well written, it's well shot. Because this is written and directed by Joss. But uh I especially love when Buffy turns it around, it's like this is exactly how you rehearse it in your head, isn't it? You tell me your story and I'd feel sorry for you. Well, I do feel sorry for you, but in a much different way. <laughs> I love that she's just not going to let him have the moment. Yeah. Like he's yeah. not the hero of the story. Uh, my number one is when Angel visits Willow at her house. Um, just those two together, especially when Buffy's not around, I always find hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison Hannigan is so good as Willow. Like, the like freaked out reaction she gets when she like runs and hides her bra. Like, I don't know. It's just those two are really funny together. I kind of wish they, there was more of them together. Mm-hmm. I think similar to the revelation that Xander is not the cool guy you thought he was, is that Willow was a lot cooler than you realized. Uh, I mean, I was always on the Willow train. So, but that's my point is as much as you were, there's so much more to that train and so much more ways mm. to appreciate it. I, I, I think I knew I was on the Willow train. Yeah. You could be more on the Willow train. That's my point. Okay. Okay. Okay, um, Mr. Mr. Buffy Stan. Yeah, telling telling me the biggest Willow fan that uh, I should have been more a fan of Willow. Are you the biggest Willow fan? I love Willow. She's like my favorite character. Okay, well, well one of them. Okay. Oh, we'll, we'll get to the other one. All, a right, bit. all right, let's roll back. Yeah. Uh, my number one moment is uh, it's the end, man. It's her and Giles. You know, it's just uh, oh, it's terribly simple. The good guys are always sour and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns and black hats. And uh, we always defeat them and save the day, and no one ever dies, and everybody lives happily ever after. And she's like, liar. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, great end of the episode. I almost put that moment on there, but yeah. figured we get to it anyway. Um, yeah, this is written directed by Joss, so you kind of know it's a bigger episode. <laughs> yeah, starts out with. Uh, Drusilla. It, what, one thing that was really funny rewatching this again is like you kind of always knew it, but seeing it again after so long, like how familiar all the locations they shoot at are mm-hmm. because they literally just have like a warehouse and a parking lot to shoot in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, look, it's the park. We're going to see that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I watched this on Hulu. So I got that TV ratio, that beautiful box. Um, I forgot how how like visually dark the show was. I've got the DVD rips here, so this is like the original shit. Nice. Um, also, I found that I liked Drusilla a lot more in these episodes than I did at the time. I, I was gonna say I noticed that as well. I don't. I, I feel like I was just like sleeping on Drusilla when I was a kid watching these. Like she just like didn't register. Like mm-hmm. whereas now it's like it's clear. Like I'm I'm kind of surprised that um, uh, who is this? Julie Linda. Uh, Julia Linda, yeah, uh, that she didn't do more because I feel like she's pretty good as Drusilla here. Yeah, yeah. I'm really like not much beyond Buffy and Angel, I don't think. Um, you would think even like her famous last name would take her somewhere. Um, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, classic Drusilla line when she's like talking to this little kid. What were they saying when they find your body? <laughs> I wonder if the show is like willing to go there and like put children in danger. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Buffy sees Angel having a chat with Drusilla. Of course, it's a high school show. So we're going to deal with jealousy and the reconciling of older boyfriends past and not knowing how to talk about it. Um, and then, my God, the crackling heat between Giles and Jenny Calendar. Yeah, good old Jenny Calendar. Ruby the Mort. She was a diamond of diamond and pearl, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, planning a date for them, not really, like, not really giving him the details, enjoying, teasing him, uh, taking him out of his comfort level. <sighs> Jenny Calendar. Uh, also, so we, I, we didn't mention, but the uh, like the opening song, like title credits sequence and whatnot. It's just funny to see that now because like you just don't see that on shows these days like the the theme song the 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 way they would have like scenes in the credits that like hadn't happened on the show yet you mm-hmm. remember that yeah yeah i'd be like ooh, i wonder when we're gonna get to see whatever that is i feel like the last time you saw it and i and i did find it to be an interesting way they did it was in Battlestar galactica um i i feel like i appreciated that more than i appreciated like the last two seasons of Battlestar galactica that was where they put just like one short clip of the show. Oh, they, in, no, they would right? do like a little montage for the episode you were about to watch. Mm, okay, it's been a well, long but, time since I watched that. Yeah, G- guess what, guys? We're not doing a Bowser Galactica rewatch. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> oh, real quick follow up. It looks like Juliet Landau has done like a bunch of voice work from what I'm seeing and like a, a few, you know, live action roles here and there. I don't know if she still does, but for a while she followed me on Twitter. I have no idea nice. why. Yeah, nice. I have no idea why, but. It was awesome. Because <laughs> um, you get that thing where occasionally like a celebrity will follow you on Twitter for like a day. And you're uh-huh. like, who, do you, who did you mistakenly think I was? <laughs> um, yeah, I get to classroom scenes. There's just a random note from class. One of the guys just says, it just seems like Louis XVI was a really weak king. <laughs> he kind of was. Yeah. Um, I have like later on, I think I have blow by some of the blow by blow stuff. But uh, my next note here is just, well, there's nothing funny about what happened to Nicholas Brendan. Oh, I mean, do we want to talk about Xander? Let's just say this. You either die a hero or live long enough to find out that Xander was a douchebag um, and not that oh, much a nice guy. And here's the thing. Like, full full confession, and I, I feel like you'd probably agree with me. In 1997, when we were watching the show, it was like, Xander Harris, that is a cool dude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that is that is the guy you want to be. He's not, a, he's not some, like, meathead jock. He's not like this antisocial nerd. He's like cool guy. And then you watch it now and you're like, ah, man, that is rough. That is rough. Yeah. Because he is just a dick. Yeah. I mean, you were like excited about the Zeppo. I think where the ice. I mean, he does. He has his moments. He's not purely terrible. It's just he he was like a, a personality type that was like, I don't know, just okay back then. The people are just not okay with anymore. Let's put this way, though. We're also not watching like the really bad Xander episodes. Those are earlier. True, true. Yeah. The one where he well, becomes the, like the hyena boy. Ooh, fuck. Well, the, his whole like crush on Buffy, where like she, he asks her out and she like turns him down, but then it's like it's still lingering the whole time. That was always kind of weird. Mm-hmm. He's just gonna like yeah. dunk an angel to his face nonstop. I mean, I will say he's he's a very consistently written character. Like he's he's a fully realized 
you know, three dimensional character. He's just like kind of an asshole, but like it's like the show doesn't acknowledge it. I think one of the truest scenes of Buffy is in season seven when uh, Buffy finally calls back to the end of season two to him. Like mm-hmm. she has let this, she has not addressed yeah. this for like five years. And she's like, yeah, bitch. What about what you told me? Willow said, and he's like, uh, statute limitations for a guy. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, no motherfucker. <laughs> um, and then Nicholas Brendan has had some issues with mental health. Um, well, I mean, I'm not going to like hold that against him or anything. No, I'm just saying um, later in life, it's, it's separate from Xander later in life. He's had, he's fallen some hard times. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think uh, that at least even watching the show when he started getting into like seasons four and five, he mm-hmm. was less cool. He kind of like turned into this townie loser. Um, so, I, I mean, I, which is you could say accurate, you know, like I feel like this character is very consistent in a way, um, but maybe not the greatest of television. There's a scene in season five. It's the scene where Riley leaves or the episode where Riley leaves. Oh, yeah. That's, and out oh, of yeah. nowhere, there's a completely out of character, but still in character in an icky way where like Xander mm-hmm. comes and just gives Buffy a, like a truckload of shit that she lectures her deserve. on. Yeah. Like, yeah. how dare you let Riley go? Yeah. Oh, that seems Riley, so bad. Riley fucking sucks. But I would say the, the ice kind of thawed on the Xander thing back when. Buffy and Angel were on the same night, which was awesome, which is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And you and I would watch it with some of our friends, and our two male friends would say, "Yeah, Buffy's fine, but I think we really both prefer when Angel's on." And I remember you and I looking across each other for this across this living room and being like, "What the fuck? <laughs> Angel's fine, but like Buffy's clearly the superior show." And always, I just there, you know, there are people who think Angel's a better show, and there are the people who are correct. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can talk to you about things to appreciate in the angel tv show but what compared to buffy anyway um so buffy's old buddy ford comes to sign up for finishes senior year this is pre-roswell jason bear the other show that yeah, went over this to guy. the end um this mm-hmm. dude has until the end of this episode this dude has no charisma whatsoever yeah i mean he was definitely like they were trying to make this guy happen for a while yeah like i want to say he might have popped up on dawson's creek too oh um I think he was also in the grudge with her. Uh, let me just do a quick 90s fashion watch here. Xander is wearing an Adidas shirt with plaid pants. Yeah, plaid pants, man. It's a cool dude. That's a cool dude look there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had one pair of plaid pants in my high school years, and they weren't comfortable, so I never wore them. One last comment on Xander, in case we're not being clear enough. <laughs> what really, really just like stands out like a sore thumb now is the constant low-level misogyny. Yeah. He's the constant just like putting women down and insulting them. Like it's not it's not like um, I don't know. He's he's not like aggressively like hating on women, but it's just always there in the background. And because this is the character that Joss Whedon was like, this is the character I identify with the most or this is me or whatever. You're just like, huh? Yeah, I don't know. That's a very good look until season four or five when he clearly switched over to Spike. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's played as, oh, Xander's got this charming, witty, low level, like low self-loathing. He's just the snarky one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is coming from a really gross teenage boy, ugly place. And these girls are being a little too nice about it. Um, I mean, some of the shit he says about Cordelia later, but I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to remember at the time this was just more accepted. Like people didn't really 
frown on this the way they do now. Like, like no. if this was a real person. No, no. And, and to a certain degree, I will say I identified with Xander. And then at a certain point I realized that's not okay. And that's not yeah. okay ways to act and to treat people and to view people. Yeah. Um, continuing my fashion watch. Ford is wearing the ugliest bit of fashion I've ever seen. Boring mom jeans, a gray t-shirt with an orange sweater vest like, over it. What it's the like fuck? salmon. Yeah, it's like a oh. salmon colored sweater vest. Um, and meanwhile, Buffy is wearing an outfit that looks too good to put into words. I okay. will be doing an interpretive dance about it. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, uh, and st- she says that she used to have a crush on Ford back in fifth grade. Uh, would sit alone in her room listening to I Touch Myself by the Defiles. And then she suddenly realized what that song meant. Oh, wait, that's uh, Willow. Who does? <laughs> um, so Buffy invites Ford to the bronze that night. And he's like, oh, you guys already have plans. I wouldn't be imposing, would I? And Xander's like, oh, only in the literal sense. I mean, it's like he he's the guy with the comebacks. And I think it's interesting when they introduce Oz and, like, how they differentiate. Because Oz is, like, better Xander, basically. But, like... He doesn't try as hard. He doesn't have to try as hard. You know what I mean? Well, I, one thing I especially notice in these episodes is that Xander seems to do a lot of almost meta commentary on what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like he's just there to kind of like make jokes about the stuff that's going on rather than like fully participate a lot of the time. Yeah. Which I mean, you could definitely see him as like the stand in for Whedon, just like, you know, making the snarky comments. Well, but then when he does, it's like it's at the wrong times and he's righteous angry about how everyone else isn't Um, and it's like it's like man your your witty snark really seems to trend an awful lot towards hating women or putting them down in some way yeah oh man though the bronze it's an all ages club and retrospect bronze this place seems like a haven for finger blasting statutory rape and other injuries that probably require a tetanus shot we didn't have a bronze. I remember. No. I mean, the bronze seemed like a cool place to hang out for sure. We Although I'm in, sure, like in reality, it would totally suck to go to an all ages, all ages uh, place like this. Uh, uh, I think the thing is, a place like the bronze makes a nice guy like Xander even worse. Okay, because you're going to see the girls your age mingling with older guys who are going to be better at certain. They're going to be more alluring hmm, in a okay. ways that he's not. Like Angel? Like, yeah, like the divide is going to like really make Xander even more just petty and disgusting. Um, at the bronze, Xander, Willow, and Ford are playing pool. Willow's wearing a shirt that I could see Jim Morrison wearing. Um, Angel is at the bronze. He just looks so funny. Like he's at a local all-ages club in the hopes that his teenage girlfriend will show up. In the bronze, they've got pool tables. There's often a band of some sort. A name band. There's refreshments. Yeah. Amy Mann has played the bronze. Yeah, they got a lot of a lot of cool acts there. Um, so Angel Mealy. I, mean, I assume the, that they don't serve alcohol, right? Because they're an I, all ages bar. I think they have to. Because why are the adults there other than for the young girls? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm trying to think if I've ever been to like an all ages place. I went to like an 18 and older club once. That's like the closest I could think of to that. Well, I mean, by this point in your 30s, you should have been there at least once. I think in our neck of suburbia, because we were in uh-huh. straight up suburbia, we weren't in like a smaller town like this. Um, you would get these all ages clubs and they would be, quite frankly, like lame Christian places. 
Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a different vibe for sure. Yeah, for sure. And those places, unfortunately, definitely didn't serve booze. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like, Angel immediately gets the cold shoulder from Buffy as she goes for a walk of Ford. Uh, well, that's because he, he lied to her earlier. Yeah, Angel's right? wearing a classic Angel number, standing out or something out of that line of vampir- vampiric satorial splendor of like velvety blouses that he wears a lot of. <laughs> I like when Willow offers to play pool with Angel and they just disappears on them. Yeah. Um, Xander's a jerk, but man, he loves stirring that shit. Like, uh, Angel's like, this guy's new in town, huh? And, he, and Xander's like, yeah, dude's new in town and he is moving fast. <laughs> Xander always hated Angel, um, which I guess is somewhat established in the first season, but I think it's mostly just because Buffy likes Angel. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy at the bar behind Buffy and Angel who's clearly an adult is drinking coffee out of like a giant Mike Myers. So I married an ax murderer sized mug nineties. <laughs> I mean, I definitely remember thinking like it would be cool to have a place like the bronze to go to. I, I just don't feel like, I don't know, like teenager schedules were the same as they were in TV shows. Like I definitely <laughs> could not have maintained slayer hours. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? And I wasn't doing shit. I was having a boring teenagehood, and I was still as tired as she was during the school day, but with nothing to show for it at night. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so Buffy and Ford start walking through like a dark alley. He sees her killing a vampire, and he's like, oh, it's cool. I saw you slaying a, a vampire. And she's like, what? Wedding a what? <laughs> well, he, she, she like sends him away. She's like, oh, I need to go do something. But then he like turns around and follows her. So already we see he's a little nosy. Yeah. Uh, later that night, Buffy calls Willow and tells her all this. Um, Willow's like laying on her bed with, oh, man, remember cordless phones that were also landlines. Uh, Willow has adorable bunny slippers on. Uh-huh. And then I, like we don't even meet Willow's mom until like season three, I want to say. Right. Do you? I know her dad's name is Ira. I'm not sure if we ever meet the dad at all. I mean, we don't meet Xander's family. Is it in like... Gingerbread? Yeah, yeah. I know I know she's in Gingerbread for sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> just the witchcraft is like the uh, like burgeoning sign of Willow's <laughs> sexuality. <laughs> um, yeah, so later Ford goes to his own lame club, the Sunshine Club. Uh, and these guys suck. It's like a theme party if the theme was just general Anne Rice vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, the, of, the dude with like the cloak on or whatever the cape man just, just stop trying so hard Diego yeah or Marvin Marvin slash Diego <laughs> um, at one point like there's somebody welding and making sparks um, we get Chanterelle well, they're like welding the, this like heavy metal door on it oh you know? uh, that's right we got Chanterelle aka Lily aka Anne who's a character that like is around a lot more than you would have ever guessed <laughs> um and so, I mean, there's some there's some lines here. It's weird to see like Joss Whedon lines in the mouth of an actor like Jason Bear. It's like a couple more days, we'll be able to do the two things that every American teen should be allowed to do: die young and stay pretty. Yeah, um, yeah, not a fan of this character. They're watching the 1973 Dracula movie. With Jack Palance. Jack Palance is such a weird. I know this is like a 90s teenage show, but fucking Jack Palance, like. Most people, I think, only ever saw him in, like, City Slickers or Batman. Like, Jack. Yeah. You are my number one number guy. One guy. <laughs> but, like, it, it just seemed like that dude was, like, on a sensual high that that I would never understand the way he talks. But I, I have a hundred questions about Sunshine Club. Are these kids sleeping here? 
Yeah, good question. I mean, how are they affording this place? Or are they like squatting or something? Diego says they have to pay rent on this industrial okay. space, which is yeah. apparently a well, I mean, it does, shelter. It does seem like the Sunnyvale has a lot. Or is it Sunnydale? Sunnydale. Sunnydale. Sorry, there's a Sunnyvale in California. I was getting mixed up. Um, they've got a lot of like, you know, empty industrial type spaces for use. Mm-hmm. Maybe as a consequence of the Hellmouth. Who knows? The uh, the guy in the the moderator for the PLO reunion kept saying Rosemont. Ooh, and I was just like shaking my head. Um, yeah, it's like a former bomb shelter. Who is buying groceries for these kids? Who is responsible for the decor? Uh, I assume that they don't all live in Sunnydale, right? Like they they've come from somewhere. What like where is what does Ford's family think is going on? Especially after he's been diagnosed with like cancer or whatever. Yeah, you just like run away. Um, like who made sure this place was stocked with their massive gothic portraits of old white guys that they've got? Well, this is how you know it takes place in the 90s because like he's just like walking onto campus and pretending to go there. Yeah. Because that was something you could do then. Yeah. There weren't like crazy like metal fences surrounding campuses like there are now. I feel like we had. Yeah, it was my senior year was Columbine. Yeah, that was like. That was the end of it, man. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, when when I went to high school, you could just go walk on campus. Mm-hmm. And you could walk off campus very easily. Mm-hmm. My last question is, what does Chantrell wear when she's doing laundry and washing her Elvira gowns and ruby chokers or whatever? <laughs> yeah, so then Angel goes to visit Willow in her room. This is where she kind of freaks out. Um, man, Allison Hannigan is so good at playing all of Willow's little tics. Yeah. Um, both Willow... When they don't have Jenny Calendar in the episode, both her and Willow are just like, I'll check the net. Yeah. <laughs> She's a hacker. That was her original thing. Yeah. Um, so Buffy and Ford find Willow, who's nervous, keeping this like angel secret. Um, Willow's sweater is almost Rastafarian. <laughs> I mean, the fashion in the show is really something. Ford's got a button up shirt with a sweater tied around his waist did you ever do that did you ever just you know what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna tie the sweater around my waist not in high school but i i feel like maybe a little bit earlier in life i would do the whole like you tie the sweater around your waist thing but not like not like as a a stylistic affect but like you took your sweater off you know did you ever do the thing where you would like tie it around your shoulders like a like a preppy cape no i uh i'm not like a waspy east coast dude on a boat so no Mm. i couldn't even hear you because i don't have a tennis racket in your hand um yeah giles is like going to day of his calendar he's going to give buffy jenny's beeper number just in case <laughs> nice oh my god all the people that i knew had beepers in high school were not drug dealers <laughs> hey man it was like a you you felt like you needed it to be in touch with your friends uh, i'm sure we've told the story the otherly lame story about anthony's beeper we haven't we probably don't need to cool uh, um so yeah that was like, actually one thing i noticed in uh in the next episodes was that like there's a lot of like where's buffy she hasn't checked in and it's like yeah because there was no cell phones back then yeah yeah you call <laughs> like, be inconceivable yeah yeah so later that night the ford goes on a tour of sunnydale with buffy and she's like there's our school which is also coincidentally the school from veronica mars <laughs> <laughs> um so like while she's like taking on some vamps he gets some alone time with a vampire makes a deal um this is kind of the the start of some problems that would be that would plague angel more i think 
it made sense at the start of the Buffyverse that you needed to be a slayer or a supernatural creature to physically take on a vampire. But once any human being could do it. Well, it was always um, like th- there's like a sliding scale of like vampire strength, depending on like what needed to happen in the episode kind of, you know, like yeah. sometimes vampires were very dangerous. And like if you're a human, like you're dead. And other times like willows, like, you know, without magic, like handling them. Well, like I like that. Like I want to say like the season three premiere when Buffy's in L.A., it, like it takes the whole Scooby gang to like not even successfully subdue a single vampire when really uh-huh. you would think Giles would be like, don't, don't go out. Just yeah, yeah, really. Don't, don't go get killed. Um, so he clearly lets his vampire go and she comes back. She's like, you know, what happened? He's like, oh, I staked it. It turned into dust. It's like, well, where's the dust, bitch? Where's that little pile it's, of dirt? CGI'd away. Um, so then Willow, Xander, and Angel all, they've, they've like found the address of the Sunshine Club place. So they go there and Angel's just disgusted with these people. <laughs> There are so many extras in this show, whether it be in one of the two clubs or in the high school settings, who have not just like long hair, like guys of long hair, but specifically ponytails. <laughs> oh, and that was one of the things about the shows. They use a lot of the same extras. Some of them like eventually sort of became characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Buffy's interrupted Giles and Jenny's date night later. She took him to a monster truck rally. <laughs> what are you doing, Jenny Calendar? Well, I like that she's just like. I don't know why this didn't work out. I thought he'd love it. <laughs> I can definitely remember having a big old crush on Jenny Calendar back in the day. How could you not? I know. Also, like, completely lost to me, like, what, like, a like a hunk Giles was. Oh, he's a dill for sure. For, for sure. I mean, especially when he gets, when he's working from home in, like, season four, <laughs> like a lot of us are. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but uh, Buffy sees a picture of Drusilla for the first time, recognizes her as the woman Angel was talking to a while back. Um, some magical book gets stolen from Giles' magical books, which will be later in the episode, or a different episode, a big deal. And Buffy realizes that Ford lied to her about staking that vamp. So yeah, a lot of spike. lying going around this episode. Yeah. Uh, we get the Spike and Drew scene. There's like a baby doll S&M vibe to their romance. Um, I think... He's got the dead bird. She's obsessing over. Yeah. I can't remember. This is clearly a factory, they say. There's chains everywhere. Yeah, it's some sort of underground factory. I wonder if they were to do a Spike character now, would he wear a wig? Because, like, man, the the amount of peroxide James Marsers must have had to go under. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hair is just falling off, I'm sure. It's like just crusty and you can pull it off of your fingers. Um, I'm trying to remember if they switched layers because... The lair at the end of season two, like Angel just moves into that place in like season three. And it's like a mansion, but it has like no ceiling. Anyway. Yeah, I don't even remember. This uh, is where uh, Ford shows up and tries to cut a deal. And they're like, wow, you're super fucking annoying. But he's like, I'll get you the slayer, basically. Yeah. Spike's never going to keep that deal, bro. Come on. Um, Angel shows up at Buffy's house, tells her what's up with Drusilla, how he turned her. Out. You say yeah, how he like made her go insane by killing everyone she knew and loved beforehand, and then it turned her on the day she like did her nun vows. Get these to a nunnery. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. a bad boy. Uh, warns her about Ford. So she runs into Ford the next day outside of the campus. It's bright as fuck. The camera does this kind of dreamy thing where it keeps like smiling yeah. around them at weird angles. It's like, really moving around there. 
he's like, let's hang out tonight. She clearly knows it's a trap and says, sure. Um, so Buffy talks to Xander and Willow. They, of course, or they know, of course, not to deal with all, she has to deal with all that. Um, so Sunshine Club, like Ford returns. He's talking to like Marvin and Chanterelle. Chanterelle, quite frankly, looks stunning. Quite frankly, she looks a little too good to be hanging out with these losers. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think a girl like Chanterelle was my kind of girl in high school. Um, that's changed. Um, okay. Ford thinks they're like going to become vampires tonight. He's like, he finds out that Angel and Willow and Xander were uh, there, but it doesn't matter. Puffy shows up. This is all trapped to get her to come early. Well, the construction of this is pretty clever because um, Buffy thinks she's like we think Buffy is onto this dude when she gets in the dungeon but it's like it turns out he was playing on this anyway and he's going to lock them all inside yeah it can only open up from the outside um I just I love that she's just like tearing into these these people uh, including uh-huh. Diego Marvin and like what a dork he looks like um so Spike's like the non-traditional punk rock vampire he does go in for that classic touch. He's got a dude in his entourage named Lucius. I mean, that's that's on your vampire to-do list, right? Sure. Um, so this is when like Buffy and Ford talk alone. She gets to admit that the others aren't going to get turned, just him. Um, and she explains – it's really interesting how she explains how it works. And I kind of forget about this from Vampire Lore and Buffy. Was this the first time we got it on this show? I mean, maybe not. But. I want to say earlier there was definitely a thing with Giles where it's like the history of Earth was like the the demons owned the planet and then eventually human beings showed up and they didn't like that. But it's like, yeah, you die. A demon takes over your body as a vampire. It has all of your memories, but it's technically not you. Um, which is why the soul becomes yeah. Which thing. is why you, you don't want to be a vampire, basically. Which I feel like you need to establish just to be like you know, vampires aren't actually cool to be. Yeah, yeah. And and um, Buffy vamps don't do like the true blood thing, like the gross, like crying blood or or what? Yeah. Even yeah. again with Bill Compton, is he shooting blood too? I mean, I'd say the vampires in this are fairly traditional. I don't like other than like the turning to dust thing, which is mostly just, you know, so they don't move corpses around. So, she, so she's not constantly burying bodies, yeah. but like, like, um, I'm trying to think, you know, exposure, to sunlight, sick through the heart, like holy water. Like it's all, all the classics are there. It's not, it's not like blade where it's like, no, it's all about silver, you know, or like, um, twilight where like tw- they're barely from the vampires. Yeah. I mean, like, it's interesting how I think Joss Whedon navigates the line between this classic, like kind of Christian idea of good and evil, heaven and hell. And he clearly is an atheist um, and that you really can't live for eternal salvation or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's nothing about like garlic or whatever. Though Dracula is there shows up a on garlic the show. Thing? I don't think that they're like waving garlic in anyone's faces. Yeah, I don't recall that. I mean, there's cr- the whole cross thing. Yeah. Um, cross is effective. There's, this is where. Was, um, there's a ridiculous sorry, episode, the thing where like Buffy has the giant crucifix necklace, necklace and she like uh-huh. slow dances of Angel in the Bronze one night. And burns him. Yeah, yeah. And he's like a giant cross burn in his chest. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, this is where Ford reveals that he's got a nest of tumors in his brain. He's dying, which is why he wants to become a vampire. Which is like why he's he's not just one of these pretenders like these other kids here. He's you know much more utilitarian mm-hmm. in what he's trying to accomplish. 
and really just an evil bastard through and through yeah. because he's he's willing to sacrifice a lot of people to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's clearly buttering them up and grooming them to be yeah. sacrificed. But yeah, like there's a it's a well-written speech just about, you know, by the time I die, I won't even look like me anymore. Yeah. Uh, so Spike shows with the other vampires like poor Chanterelle, like rushes up to greet them like she's going to greet the mothership. And they just start instantly like feeding on the others. Um, Does she get turned into a vampire here? No, no. Okay. She's a human through angel. Well, no, Spike bites her here. He bites her, but he doesn't turn. Okay, her. but yeah, I guess she's she's I mean, back to being Lily in season it's three. Always and a little. Again. It's always a little iffy. It's like how people are turned into vampires on the show because I believe the lore applies where you have to be bitten and then drink blood, right? Yeah. Yeah. But and yet there's constant vampires like popping up out of graves who seemingly like they weren't meant to be turned. You know, like I don't think Spike meant to turn Ford here into a vampire, but he like he still shows off as a vampire at the end. Well, I, I think like, he must have given him some blood then or somebody did. I don't know. I feel like the show always kind of hand waves that away. Yeah, because seemingly they're making new vampires constantly. I I mean, I could see. Because there's definitely some like plot holes in these episodes. Like there's some continuity issues. I could see where when it comes down to it, Spike's like, well, this guy was friends with the Slayer and he did betray her. So wouldn't it kind of suck for her if he did return as a vampire? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah so yeah. Buffy managed to take Drusilla hostage like, to free the other humans. I love her. Let them go or your girlfriend fits into an ashtray. <laughs> Yeah. So the other vampires get stuck in the bomb shelter of four. Buffy greets Angel and Will later and tells them what's up. And it's the cold blooded line of uh we'll come back after they're gone for the body. Well, just like they're like, all right, we've got a bunch of vampires trapped in this thing. We'll just leave and come back later. They'll figure a way to get out. Yeah. But we won't uh, try to stop them. No, no. Um and sure enough, she comes back and Ford's body is there. And, yeah, and then just gotta have her chat with Giles and the uh graveyard slash park slash uh, parking lot out in front of the uh, studio there. Yeah. <laughs> studio warehouse. Does it ever get easy? And yeah. She'd stake him one last time. You know, she wants, she wants Giles to, to lie to her about how simple it is. I mean, <clears throat> I think you're supposed to really harken back to this episode. as like the halcyon days by the time you get to season seven and lies. My parents told me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame we didn't watch the next one because it features Ethan rain. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Ripper. Ripper. <laughs> I wish they had done the Ripper show. I really do. I, it seems like they got very close a few times. It just never happened. Because like the legacy of Anthony Stewart head after all of this died down is that he pretty much, I think, always played villains and scumbags. On like BBC television or something, or like yeah. Sci-Fi Network. Yeah, like he's in that Stranger show on Netflix. Is like the guys like asshole dad who like slept around a bunch when he was younger. It's like, I think he was in. There was some terrible freeform show that was like uh, a, a loose bastardization of the Amanda Knox story with like Billy Zane and Anthony Stewart Head was like the the bastard in that. Yeah, don't get me wrong, he's a sexy bastard, but come on. Yeah, just looking through my notes here, Angel does have some good lines in this episode mm-hmm. um, where he says, I think this is when he's talking to Willow. He says, 100 years just hanging out, feeling guilty. It really boned up my brooding skills. <laughs> I have a question about his brooding skills when we see the decor of Angel's apartment. So it's well decorated for a guy who's mopey. Well, you know, you live that long, you're going to have some cash. 
I have a lot of notes for the next two episodes. I'm sure you do too. I have a lot. All right. Well, let's let's move on to surprise. This is S two E thirteen with Buffy. This um, is uh, Marty Noxon written, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. And directed by a guy named Michael Lang. Um, so two notes before we start this. What I loved is that a lot of shows would tell you tonight's episode changes everything. Well, fuck, this episode changed everything. Um, also, in the episode before this, if I remember correctly, there was a scene where Buffy and Angel were having one of their romantic moments in a graveyard. And as they started kissing, the camera panned over to a gravestone that really hit us with that in loving memory. <laughs> uh, I have seven moments. Okay. Well, I have three again. Nope. Uh, we should say that this episode aired on a Monday night, which is Buffy's original airtime. It then moved Tuesday night. So the it was kind of a cliffhanger into this episode, and it picks up on Tuesday the next night. This was one of the few times in high school that I actually had what you would call the water cooler moments. <laughs> Because it wasn't until these two episodes that the next day in English class, I found out other people watched Buffy. And I was like, well, that dork was like, wait, you know this show? For the next episode, there's a pretty good reason for why they're watching Buffy, but we'll wait to get there. Right. Um, so you had, what, seven? Yeah. Uh, okay. I won't go into it. The first one is, uh, my number seven moment is... Xander's whole thing about what the future of, of Buffy and Angel would look like. Denny's waitress mm. by, de- by day, Slayer by night. Angel's always in front of the TV with a big blood belly. Um, that kind of is what uh, Xander becomes. Just going to point that out. Yeah. Um, then he, in his fantasy, he sh- swoops in of his private jet and rescues her. Xander is maybe how Lucas from PLL saw himself too. Um, the cool dude, yeah. Maybe with, with less of a teenage sports gambling addiction. Uh, my number six moment is uh, the judge has come to us. He needs to feed. And he like smells the stink of humanity in Spike and Drusilla. And he's like, you two reek of affection and jealousy. And Spike's like, what of it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like that's an early hint that uh, Spike is, he's a little bit different from other vampires. He's yeah. got that human personality. By the way, real quick on uh, Xander. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, if you don't, I'm going to delight in telling you this. The twin brother? Did you, did you know that uh, in the comic, he eventually gets together with Dawn? Yeah. Yeah. After okay. she becomes big. He's got like yeah, a, I don't know when it is. I've never read the comic past like the first few issues. but He becomes like the Nick Fury of like the Slayer army. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, by that point too, Dawn is like well and truly an adult. Well, and I... I'm trying to remember because I didn't really read much of the comic, but I think maybe they kind of realize at some point that Xander is just a massive fucking tool. Yeah. So I wonder if they maybe start writing him a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, I think they do. Um, because there is, I, that's the thing about this character, there is a lot of strong material there. It's like, can you just tone down the like asshole sexism? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, fucking Xander. Uh, number five moment, the fight at the docks. It's just cool. Like the slow mo when they're diving in the water, it's just cool, man. Uh, I spent that whole scene just wondering, like, where they shot it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember reading that, like, coincidentally, the building, the warehouse, and the parking lot where they mostly filmed stuff was the building was actually where, like, the writer's room was. So yeah. they really had, like, a close relationship with the production, which I think is cool. Uh, number four moment uh, Buffy and Angel are taken captive. They're brought before Spike and Drill, still the judge. They praise Buffy, and Angel's like, 
take me instead. And Spike says, uh, you're unclear on the concept, love. There's no instead of, just first and second. <laughs> um, I'm a sucker for some good villain repartee. And that was maybe, that's maybe like one of Joss Whedon's strong points too. Yeah. Like yeah, I love sure. the some of the lines he gives like Ultron in the Avengers movie that we talked about. Anyway, what's your number three? My number three is Oz asking Willow out. Um, just let me just hit you with this dialogue here. He says, I'm going to ask you out with me tomorrow night. Uh, and I'm kind of nervous about it, actually. It's interesting. And Willow says, oh, well, if it helps at all, I'm going to say yes. He says, yeah, it helps. It creates a comfort zone. Do you want to go out with me tomorrow night? She says, oh, I can. He says, well, see, I like that you're unpredictable. Yeah. Just imagine like a year before this and like you're the TV executive and you're like, I'm going to make Seth Green a sex symbol. And people are like, that's not possible. And he's like, watch me. Well, I mean, I wonder if at some point there is a decision made or if this is just how it's inevitably going to be where they're like, okay, we've got Xander and we've got Oz. You can keep one. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's keep Xander. Well, also, I think Seth Green was taking off because he had awesome powers. Yeah, yeah, he, he had other stuff too. So it's probably inevitable that he was going to fly that coup. But I mean, when I watched Airborne... <laughs> <laughs> in no way did I think that guy was going to become this guy. Although I believe that the main guy in Airborne was also the main guy in Swan's Crossing, which I'm sure I've talked about. It's where my SMG love began. Uh-huh. Um, did you ever watch Psycho Beach Party? No, the, uh, the Nicholas Brendan movie. I haven't seen it. That Amy Adams is in, yeah. Oh, is she? Okay. Yeah. That was yeah, like, I never uh, watched it myself. What was that? That, was, uh, that wasn't like Indiegogo. What was the thing before Kickstarter for movies? I do not know. Anyway, um, number three, Buffy's fight comes crashing in through the window in the stage area of the bronze, and she ends up like staking one of the vampires with drumsticks. And then Cordelia like jumps out and yells, surprise! surprise! And I just love the <laughs> kicker is Giles like blows on like the party trick thing and then just like tosses it over his shoulder. <laughs> um, and then it just continuing like Oz is like, yeah. Did anybody just see that guy turn into dust? And Willow's like, I know there's a lot to explain. He's like, no, actually explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. So vampires are real. Yeah. And he's like, actually, that explains a lot. <laughs> I do love when they get met occasionally to talk about like the, uh, you know, like crazy mortality rate that exists in this town. Oh, I think people complained when Amy Mann got meta. Did she get meta? Yeah. Because like the there's a fight. Like, That's right. There's fight. like a little bit of dialogue, oh. right? And yeah. she's like, this is why I hate playing vampire town. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Save me, man. Fuck you. Uh, let's see. Number two is when Angel is talking to, I think, pretty much the whole Scooby gang, like Jenny Calendar included, except for Buffy. Mm-hmm. He's talking about Buffy. He says, yeah, she hasn't been sleeping well, tossing and turning. And everyone just kind of like slowly turns and stares at him. And he's like, she told me because of her dreams. Yeah. Like uh, Angel, you know, slowly drove down that road so that uh, Edward Cullen could like run down that road at full speed. I mean, what is it about vampire hair that's all got to go straight up? Yeah. Like for the cool guy vampire, you know? Oh, my God. I, I remember thinking this show is the greatest thing in the ever when you have the the maybe it's, no, maybe it's Angel because he does it in season four of Buffy. But an Angel when Spike is narrating. Uh, angel's stupid hair Uh i'm a great Uh big ponce with my hair goes straight up yeah uh number two oz asks willow out on a date like you said it's uh it's adorable these these two are adorable Mm -hmm. not meant to be 
but adorable. I guess not. No. Can't uh, wait to <laughs> uh, Do we have to do that episode? Maybe. Number one, I've got uh, just Vincent Chivali just going for it, explaining the curse. <laughs> he experiences even one moment of true happiness. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'm I'm a simple simple bitch here. I I uh, my number one is Angel and Buffy have apparently a soul shattering smash that wakes up with a burning in the middle of the night. I mean, I wanted to include that, but it just fades to white. Like they really. It's pretty chass. I mean, I guess this is back in the being an 8 p.m. show meant something. Yeah, I uh, I had a lot of questions about uh, the the fuck style of Angel, but uh, sure. Um, so generally, this episode starts off with some like restless light vibes. Yeah, we get the classic Whedon dream sequence here mm-hmm. with the uh, you know sets leading into other sets. People speaking French and dreams, like I don't know, it's kind of proto restless situation. Man, I was like watching the TV and typing things, and like for some reason, like I would write things like, uh, "Oh, Buffy gets up, maybe Darla's in her house." I'm like, "Why did I write?" Obviously, it's Drusilla. What am I doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, like uh, Joyce is there in the dream. I mean, when Joyce is in the dream, you know, it's bad. She's just like, "Do you really think that you're ready, Buffy?" Angels in one of his velvety blouses. But I feel like we should point out just like television history wise, like a scene where she's just like walking and like we see Drusilla appear behind her, Mm -hmm. but like nothing comes of it right away. Like TV was um, it's really back in the day. It was designed to be like audio medium. Like it was like, you know, something you could hear when you're doing dishes. And so it was rare for a show to do a whole lot of like visual storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like it was like considered like risky because like somebody might not notice it. Mm -hmm. Um, and this show is one of the first that really starts to push that envelope. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this show really lays a lot of groundwork for the type of TV we have now. You know, like a lot of people point like to The Sopranos, but like Buffy was doing it beforehand, even. Uh, ahem, the body. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think there's like a deleted scene in this episode where like Jenny and Giles talk about, and he's like, oh, I guess it makes sense that a slayer would have like massively metaphorical prophetic dreams. <laughs> yeah sure um yeah so drusilla comes up behind angel in this like dream bronze and she's like happy birthday buffy and like like i think she stakes angel <laughs> yeah she stakes him it's it's always fun like you get the classic like will we see angel get staked will we ever see buffy as a vampire type stuff you know it's always like in dream sequences mm-hmm. i remember yelling oh shit in season five there's a scene where uh riley stakes spike it's not a dream. Oh, is that like the the wood grain? Yeah, or something? is it like like a plastic yeah. or whatever? Yeah, yeah, um, fucking Riley. Yeah, fucking Riley. Yeah. So after the commercial, Buffy goes to Angel's apartment. Of course, he's the kind of dude who opens the door without a shirt on. That said, I don't know who's usually knocking at Angel's door. Um, like I don't know if like the butcher I mean, shop does. I think he'd be like, a, a little nervous if somebody's knocking. You know, like especially in the morning. I get I get weirded out if somebody knocks on my door and I'm not even a vampire living in a basement. I'm like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 one step more disgusting than like people calling you. Oh, uh, the other day I was um I had my headphones on, I was watching some videos on YouTube and it was like six in the morning, you know, and uh there's like a doorbell in the video. Ooh. But I didn't realize it because I had headphones on and it really sounded like somebody just rang my doorbell at six in the morning and creeped me the fuck out. Mm. Anyway. 
his name would have to be Steve, would it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So she Buffy basically has, has to, huh. sorry, good. I was saying she basically come over to tell him that she had a bad dream that he died in it. Yeah, and he's just like, "Chill out, baby." She's got so many rings on in this scene. I noticed, which is funny because she gets more another ring later in the episode. Yeah, I wrote I wrote down in the dream sequence that she's gone to bed with at least two rings on one hand. Um, she's got four rings on her right hand in the scene where they're like making out at his place. I mean, rings would hurt in a punch situation, right? Like, I mean, she's it, a slayer though, so I, I know. But I'm just saying, like, they would hurt other people, but they'd also hurt yeah. you. Well, I mean, she's. I feel like she could take the pain. She's a slayer. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's key in this scene is that just behind them, the whole time they're talking, he's reassuring her. There's the bedroom. <laughs> or some things well, I mean, going to happen. It's kind of like a studio setup here, you know. Still, like the way they keep like framing like his face on the right, her face on the left, the bed in between. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a pretty chill pad. I'd I'd live there. It could be. I'm just curious. It seems like it's a basement apartment. I think there's stairs in the hallway, like going, like going up. I'm curious. What are what are we under? Like, where is this at? Is he above the local coffee shop? Are you, are you no. concerned about like uh, like noises above you, like creaking floor? Is that what you're concerned about? In, in general, you know, if you're in like a semi-urban, even a small town apartment, I'm just curious. What what is what is your what's your apartment near? You know what I mean? Okay. I mean, sounds, sure, smell, just general atmosphere and neighborhood. Uh, they do a bunch of intense makeouts. She's going to go to school, and she's like, this is nice. Um, do, so, you, do vampires use the toilet? This is, again, you're going to make me ask about true blood. Uh-huh. Is Bill Compton taking a big old, like, bloody diarrhea? I mean, we know he drinks blood. This is the only thing he consumes. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just wondering if he has a toilet there. Well, it's if it's meant to be an apartment, you would think they provide it with a toilet, right? I guess. I mean, I'm just not sure if this is an apartment or like some weird basement he found somewhere and like spruced up himself. True, true. I mean, like Spike lives in a tomb. Yeah. Later. Um. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, because if if it's a real apartment, it would be funny if he was just like, oh, I don't need this room. Brick it over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um the first thing you know one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that uh, buffy's like 17 she's turning 17 this episode and he's what like 200, 200 and something yeah 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 it's uh like a lot of the shows that we talk about on our podcasts <laughs> it, there's a creep element to it and everyone is cool with it even giles even jenny like, i don't know it's almost like so i feel like it's so ingrained in like vampire tropes that you just kind of blows right over you, you know? yeah yeah i mean like jenny calendar like the fact that he's way older than her that's not the problem that she has with this relationship yeah um so it's first thing in the morning for her it's bedtime for him they start like dancing around how hard it is to, like part ways and not bone you know wouldn't it be like this would be cute if they were both inexperienced teenagers except one of them is a 200 year old sadistic sex fiend um but this is definitely moving towards Buffy's, you know, looking to make that next step here. She's going to have a conversation with Willow about how she thinks she's ready. This is the never Willow's Willow's like super excited about this. Yeah. The network TV code here is I like seeing you at bedtime. Um, let me just let me just talk about this mishmash of styles, though. There's trinkets. There's actually pictures. There's a variety of styles. There's like a mishmash of styles. This is like his apartment is a, is a museum that you fuck your jailbait girlfriend in. 
We also get the line where Angela says, you still haven't told me what you wanted for your birthday. And she says, surprise me. <laughs> and he will. Um, yeah, so like I said, Buffy and Willow talk about this at school after. Again, I am not, I am not viable to even talk about horniness with you first thing in the morning at the start of a school day. We're not talking about that till like 11 a.m. or lunch. Um, Buffy's worried about. I like about, it a lot accomplished early in the day. Uh, I just, I know, I know that did happen. I just can't envision it now. Um, but, it didn't for me. I was like, I almost like didn't graduate because I was having had trouble getting to classes early in the day. I, I remember was not a morning person. I'm still not. I remember junior year. It was pretty great because I could. Uh, uh, the one teacher would have his, his first period classroom door open, and usually about. 50 minutes into the first period, I could see you walking past. <laughs> I knew you were heading to that class. Like you've just gotten here. Yeah, um, man. It's too early. I feel you. Uh, Buffy is worried about like not acting in all this horniness. She says, what if I never feel this way again? Oh, man. I mean, there oh. is a little bit of um, it's like all innuendo kind of. I don't know if there's the, like if that's a, a stylistic choice or like they weren't allowed to say certain things. Well, so they're, teenagers. they're teenagers. Yeah, you don't know how I to guess. say it. There's that's true. I'm I'm kind of shocked that I believe it is actually Xander later in the show, when maybe it's Willow is dancing around a subject, and he says to her, he actually says to her, I think if you're going to be having the or doing the act, you need to be able to like talk about the act, or something like that. And I remember thinking like that is shocking to me that he would take the well, maturity road. Is he is the Whedon stand-in? True, know? true. Um, Willow is straight up dressed like Blossom here, talking about Oz. Um, there's a Carpe Hottie. Yeah, there's a <laughs> Willow's worried about getting with Oz because he's a senior, and Buffy's like, Psh, "My boyfriend had a bicentennial." Oz definitely doesn't look like a senior either. What does he look like? I don't know. He's short. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Willow repeats the carpe diem line back to Buffy. Buffy doesn't remember having said that to her originally. I think she said it in the pilot. Um, also, Xander and Cordelia are kind of dating. I can't remember what episode it was in, but they like. I think it's Halloween. It was some sort of situation where there was like a dangerous situation. And they like started making out. Yeah. And like they've they've continued to do that just like on the DL occasionally, just like find a broom closet somewhere and make out, but like they're not technically dating. Years later, I would realize that Cordelia is not the joke that she's sold as in this show. Like she's, she's a lot cooler, a lot smarter yeah. than I realized. Um, Cordelia's like groping in a broom closet. It's not dating. It's not a date until the guy spends money. To which Xander says, "Fine, I'll spend money. Then we'll grope." I mean, Jesus, yeah. phrase it a little yeah. worse. <laughs> uh, but this too, what a power couple. I mean, kind of the they were fun. They were fun. Like Summer and Seth prototype. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I, I mean, not that she should put in the effort, but I feel like Cordelia could have, uh, I don't know, like shaped and molded Xander into something more worthy. I saw a tweet a couple of weeks ago. That was great. It was uh happy mother's day to every straight guy's first couple of girlfriends. <laughs> um, yeah. Cordelia is like, of course you want to tell everybody you have nothing to be ashamed of. I, on the other hand, have everything to be ashamed of. Yeah, also, Chris Carpenter, I think, was like 28. Yeah. You film this? <laughs> like the 90210 casting rules. Yeah. yeah. Um, until later this season, the Go Fish episode where like Xander walks in in a, in a Speedo and everyone's like sploosh. 
because Nicholas Brando is like secretly like working out a lot, uh-huh. which would not last the entire show. I feel like at a certain point, like uh, Nicholas Brennan's like he sees like uh, James Marsh take his shirt off and he's just like, I'm done. I think I remember reading some interview where he like kind of like broed down with James Marsters and was like, look, they're going to have you take your shirt off soon. So you probably want to start working out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because uh, Angel is kind of an interesting physique. It's not like toned. He's skinny. Well, I mean, this is. You know, they didn't go all out like they did now with like the crazy like workout regimens and, you know, eating nothing but like chicken and yeah rice. Yeah, You need to be like TV in shape. Yeah. Well, there's a I remember because I remember absorbing all the commentaries for the DVDs on these. The that Veruca episode, the one of Oz and the werewolf kind <laughs> of infidelity. Um, he was talking about how um, they would all do the thing where it's like, oh, I'm about to do a shirtless scene. Let me just do 15 pushups real quick. <laughs> whereas now it'd be like all right for three days beforehand i'm just drinking like diuretic tea yeah not drinking water yeah 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 um so giles and xander are talking in the school hallway about buffy's surprise party jenny calendar and buffy walk over uh xander says buffy i feel a pre-birthday spanking coming on to which jenny says i'd curb that impulse if i were you xander well see this is this is the highs and lows of xander because he's He's like rubbing his hands together, yeah. like about the spanking he's planning on giving Buffy, and it's just like, dude, no. But then when like uh, Jenny Calendar tells him to piss off, he does the whole like pretend to talk into a microphone. I cancel spanking. Like that's like a kind of a clever, you know, little funny thing that he does. And it's it's you just get them both right there. It gets to channel his passive aggressive uh, misogyny into something else. Yeah, he's like a he's like an improv creep. Um, uh-huh. They four of them sit down. They have a normal conversation with two students and two teachers in a bustling school <laughs> hallway. Nope. None of the other students are like, that's kind of weird. Yeah, nope. I mean, the reputation is always fascinating. Like, obviously, Buffy gets the class protector award. But it's like, you got this hot girl who hangs out with her nerdy friends in the school library all day. Constantly hanging out with the librarian. Yeah. And I think she's murdered like 15 people. Like, legit <laughs> 15 people. Um. But then you're you're probably like as, as if you're like Jonathan or like somebody in the background. You're like, dude, is like, or is Buffy and the librarian or like they doing something? But then you're like, no, but wait, like our hot new computer teacher, yeah, she seems to be dating the librarian too. What is going on with that guy? Oh, you know the way that that Giles hangs out in her classroom, it is obvious. <laughs> yeah, like those kids are hearing things that they won't fully understand the hotness of for years. Um. So after whatever the last thing was Spike and Drew, Spike had ended up wheelchair bound off a scar in his face. Drew's like, yeah, more like powerful. a piano fell on him or something. Yeah. Like Drew's more powerful than ever. There's like presents coming in. She's planning on having an end of the world party. Um, there's a guy in his entourage who is dressed old timey. It's just the guy with the glasses. Yeah. And like the pirate blouse. He's yeah. The, this is the, the dude who the judge kills, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about? His name yeah. is Dalton. Uh, uh-huh. He does not look like a bouncer for the uh, double douche. Um, yeah, Spike wants to leave Sunnydale because it is cursed by losses thanks to Buffy and Angel. Drusilla's even more crazy town banana pants. Um, and they're She's getting body delightful. parts. Yeah, they're getting like body she, parts. In I think that's where she opens the, uh, one of the presents she get, he gives her. And she goes, it reeks of death. And, but that's a good thing. Yeah. I want to say in the new comic, because they like rebooted all of Buffy in the comics. 
Like really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a whole thing going on. I think like Xander got turned into a vampire like immediately. Interesting. And I want to say that Drusilla is the mistress. Huh. Or okay. maybe she's called just the master. I can't remember. But like she's the villain. Um uh-huh. Yeah, so after the commercial, Joyce and Buffy are talking about how like Buffy might get a license or a car. She's 17. Um, Joyce drops a plate. Are you sure you're ready, Buffy? Yeah. Yeah, Joyce drops a plate. Buffy's like, oh, shit, her dream's coming true. Um, then we go to Jenny Counter's class. She has a sign on the wall that says, got brain today. Look at those just massive computers there at the CRT monitors. I mean, what even is a computer class these days? Because ours were bullshit. Um, I mean, I'm trying to remember. There's computer literacy, which I, I, I remember taking typing. That was a class. Yeah. Like just typing. like how to touch type. And then there was computer literacy that was like basically how to, it was like you'd learn like Microsoft Office pretty much. I remember that. And it was, you know, we had the block schedules. So they're like an hour, hour and a half long classes. And it was like the computer teacher did nothing at all. It mm-hmm. was just like, here's your like instructions for the day that you follow through in this little book. And when you've like gone through all the steps to learn how to, you know, like, you know, make a spreadsheet or something, then you I'll turn on the games for you and you can go play games for the rest of the period. So typing class, which I think I had eighth grade. Does that make sense? I had mine freshman year. Huh. I want to say it was maybe still in junior high, but typing class was you were given a book. Each each period was like 50 minutes long. And it was like every every period you were supposed to type some retype something from the book. And she really didn't care how you typed it. Like her, she didn't care about your form. And each of the lessons that you had to retype would only take you about 20 minutes. But then she was like, look, class is one semester. If you finish the book four weeks before the end of class, we've got games. So you manage your time. And then she was obsessed with Star Trek Generation. And I remember that teacher's favorite character was Worf. <laughs> yeah. Did they even like time you for how fast you typed? No, she didn't. She did not care. Okay, because in my typing class, it was like there was a program that would like it would flash stuff on screen where you had to like type what you saw and it would time you and all that and like grade you on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like later on in in school, I would have that. I think I had what was my best time in high school? Like sixty words a minute. Okay. Yeah, I was all slow typer. I typed like forty or forty-five. But like the the so to do this eighth grade typing class. I mastered the two finger thing. Mastered, yeah. Because I was like, "Fuck this book! I'm going to get this done in like a month and a half, and play games." And so, yeah, I, then I got okay at Oregon Trail. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, so Jenny Calendar is, is visited by the aforementioned Vincent Chiavelli, the guy who made a living spooking the shit out of folks. Uh, he is fashion update. He is dressed like he could be in the Arcade Fire here. Um. Do we want to talk about the uh, problematic nature of Jenny Calendar's uh, backstory here? We sure do. It's uh, it's fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it stands out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you're not really supposed to call people gypsies anymore. Um, and I I think the way that they could have done this was just to be a little more non-specific. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like that she's from like the old world and not specifically make her Romani. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, dude, Gypsy Curse is not the preferred nomenclature. Yeah. Romani American, if you please. Uh, uh, yeah. So basically her job is the monitor angel and make sure he's still got the soulful mopies. Um, and he tells her that she's she's failing her calling by letting Angel date. 
Buffy. And again, you'd think that somebody would also be like, dude, how much older is he than her, too? Gross. It's just just like you can't let him empty those balls. Yeah. He's got to stay unhappy. Yeah. And then then like season two finale, we get the the flashback scenes where that little creep in the pork pie hat shows up. We find out that Angelus. The not Doyle guy. Yeah, yeah. That Angelus was also like writing a book about Buffy before he came to town. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Um Giles, it's somehow Angel's a better character than Ezra Fitz. It's like a, like a cooler, okay dude, somehow. I mean, he, Angel serves a utility, at least. Yeah, true, true. Um, he, can, he can, you know, stake a vampire now and then. Doesn't rest on his fucking uh, laurels of his degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Giles tells Andrew Miller that even if Buffy's true, or dream is coming true, they're still throwing her to the fucking surprise party. One thing he's learned in the Hellmouth is that there's no good time to relax or celebrate. Um, and then we get this kind of fascinating thing where it's like every time Jenny shows up for the next few scenes, we don't know if we trust her or not. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of like lurking around and we're, we're kind of observing like what's she going to do? How is she going to manipulate the situation? Cause like when she shows up here, it's like later on that night and Buffy's just walking through campus as you do, mm-hmm. you know, late at night. Cause she's supposed to meet them at the library. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jenny Callender shows up in a uh, leather jacket, I might add. And it's like, hey, Buffy, uh, Giles wanted uh, you to go pick up some book. I'll, I'll drive you there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what's going on? But then it turns out this isn't Jenny being evil. She's just trying to take Buffy to the birthday party. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's vampires to fight throughout this. It's vampire fight. Yeah, because well, vampires are doing some stuff and, like, stealing more pieces of what we'll find out as a judge. And it seems like maybe Jenny Callender has set this up. But then, no, Buffy, like, crashes through the bronze window and they're, like, waiting for a surprise party in there. Or, like, uh, uh, to me, it kind of seemed like whatever trap that she's leading her to, Buffy's like, oh, I see vampires. I have to go fight them. And and Jenny's like, no, 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 don't. We have to go to this thing. And Buffy's like, "Uh, sorry, it's my calling, yo. I mean, I I think she's just taking her to the surprise party. Yeah, she's always taking her to the surprise party. But, yeah, like, you're – the episode's really interesting because – because of its placement, also it's not even sweeps. It's like a January episode, but because of its placement as a big epic game changer and the dream thing, you're just teasing out when some horrible other shoe is going to drop. Uh-huh, yeah, um, yeah. So find out that the vampire and the pirate outfit is is Dalton. Like I said, uh, not Lucian for some reason. Um, so she's fighting these vampires. They get crashing into the the bronze. They've they've got the bronze empty for Buffy's surprise party. What does it cost to rent out the bronze for a night? Especially after you break a window, yeah. Um, let's talk about these decorations. Can, they, we, can we talk about Oz's outfit? Well, first, they've decorated on a pool table. They've put the tablecloth over the pool table. They have then put the pool balls back onto like the tablecloth. <laughs> there is literally at this party chips and cake. There is nothing else to eat at this party. <laughs> A fair amount of uh, gifts there too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this is also Giles, like only like Giles' like second visit to the Bronze. I can see that. Yeah, talk, yeah. Not a place that he'd want to hang out. Talk about because he's a responsible adult. Yeah. Talk about Oz's fashion. Um. So he's got like a jeans and a t-shirt, and then like a, a button-up shirt that he's wearing, kind of like unbuttoned over it. This was definitely my look mm-hmm. back in high school, senior year. Mm-hmm. I was all about that look. Just want to point that out. How many bowling shirts did you own in high school? Oh, they weren't really bowling shirts. They were just like cool guy shirts. Oh, I'm sorry. Cool guy shirts. Right on. Right yeah. 
I still have most of them. I, I, I hold on to them. I was like, some someday they're going to come back in fashion. I'm going to wear them again. Is it like a like a museum to your youth? <laughs> Not a museum. They're just, you know, in my closet. Like if we open up one of your closets, is there going to be like a, like a shrine of you as a high schooler? Of course not. Where do you keep your trophies? Uh, I mean, I've got a couple on the shelf downstairs. Did you ever get to see our friend Steve's trophies? I saw them briefly. Yeah, his giant fucking karate participation trophies. Yeah, yeah, the perfect attendance <laughs> trophies yeah. that are bigger than he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just love the comedic timing of Cordelia jumping out and yelling surprise. Uh, yeah, yeah vampires are real. Oz learns. They, they open this box that uh, Dalton was carrying, and it's got like a, just the an arm in it that starts to choke Buffy evil dead style. They can put it back. Yeah. And that's our act break. The act breaks in this show are so good. So after the commercial, it's like still choking her out and angel like helps her get it back into the box. And Xander's like, well, clearly the hell mouse answer to what do you get the slayer who has everything? Um, and the willow's like, what was that? And Oz says, look like an arm. Yeah. And then we, uh, I think this is where we learn about the judge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think Angel's the one who kind of expositions about uh, this kind of evil demon who is summoned to wipe out humanity. He can like kill humans just by touch alone or, or even worse, you know, just by being near them. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenny Calendar has much longer hair in this episode, I noticed. Mm-hmm. I guess it grew out a lot in the like, past like six episodes. Got nothing to do but sit yeah. around, be hot, and grow your hair. Yeah, Angel's, of course shocked shocked that drusilla would actually do this um what i appreciate about spike's turn in the finale is it makes a lot of sense like about him not really wanting to destroy the world yeah yeah he's he's enjoying himself like, i mean i feel like you you can kind of see like the slight hesitation here mm-hmm. about like what what the plan is um but this is where it's like oh this is the judge he was like split up a new bunch of pieces because no weapon forge can kill him an army and, against him yeah like soren style yeah and so Angel's just like, I, or it's, I think it's Jenny Calendar first is like, well, Angel, obviously you're just going to have to go take this box and like go to the Amazon or something to be gone for several months. Right. Mm-hmm. And Buffy's like, what? And he's just like, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess I'm going to have to do that. Sorry, Buffy. I, I'm going to leave tonight. And so Jenny Calendar's mission seemingly is as planned here. Yeah. I mean, I love that Buffy's just like, whoa, I'm trying to get a wet here. What are you what are you saying? Um, yeah, I love, uh, I also, we haven't got to touch on this. I think Giles loves having angel cause he's like an adult dude. He's technically sure. also yeah. from Europe, even though, um, he's I, Irish. Yeah. His like Irish accent later on is questionable. <laughs> um, cause his name's what Liam. Anyway, uh, I love that Joss like the judge, this is him. And angel's like, not all of them. <laughs> I don't know why, but the little pieces jokes make me laugh. Uh, yeah, so they need to leave tonight, and she's like, "It's my birthday," and Jenny's like, "I will drive you to the dock." So it's kind of hilarious <laughs> yeah. blocking where she's like immediately in between them. She just like slides right in there, and it's just like, "I'll drive you." Like Jenny's utility to the group in these episodes is that she has a car. Pretty much, yeah. She's driving Buffy to the. She's driving them to the dock. She's gonna drive Angel home to like get a shirt later. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Drusilla's Come pissed off. To, yeah, Spike and Drew there. Yeah, she's pissed that the dude lost the box. She steps on his glasses and threatens to like three stooges his eyes out. Or like, 
I, I think Drusilla, doesn't she have some sort of like like mind control powers or something? I think she's like she's a gonna poke him in the eyes. I maybe she's just crazy. I don't know. I, I it felt like she was about to like, I don't know, put some sort of whammy on this guy to make him do something. I think she can like read thoughts. I don't know if she can like inflict okay. her spooky, crazy ass will on people. I mean, I definitely left these episodes wanting more Drusilla. For sure. Um this guy leads me to my next series of questions. If you're a vampire, you have eternal life, which I assume is a never-ending, moral, free, party full of sensual dislikes and cosplay where any historical era is on the table. Uh-huh. Why the fuck would you want to be someone's henchman? Yeah, who knows? Like, you could do anything in the world. And here's like these two people who are like, you're going to get our dry cleaning. And you're like, awesome. Well, we never see this guy like not vamped out. Like, are there classes of vampires? Or well, like, I, there's kind of like the trash class, like this guy, and then like the Spike and Drew and Angel kind? I think it's just like, uh, who do we want to uh, do like our limited CGI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it, yeah, like you said, differentiate. Like, this guy is trash. He doesn't get the, the, the luxury of like human good looks for a few scenes. Because the whole vampire face thing, I wonder if that's ultimately a mistake. And just like in production. Yeah. I mean, I guess they wanted it to be scary. You know, it is in, in a lot of ways like a horror show. So. But I mean, like over the years, it's like Angel and Spike will do plenty of biting without vamping out. You know? Do they? Yeah. Because I don't think they always wanted to put them in the makeup or go through the, the trouble. I just kind of wonder yeah. if they're trying to like bridge the gap between normal, good looking young vampires and like the fucking prune juice mouth of the vampire or the master i'm mean, sure it's it's a factor of like number one we want our actors to be able to be themselves as much as possible number two we don't have, want to have to do the makeup all the time but mm-hmm. we want it to be scary occasionally so we can have them vamp out well so in general you've got actors who are their faces their body movements their whatever they're also voices once you put those teeth in yeah yeah, yeah uh so at the docks, Angel and Buffy are having their goodbye. He's gotten her like an Irish promise ring. Yeah, it's like called like a clodock or something like that. Yeah. Um, they just like sets his arm down so they can like have their little heart to heart for a while. Mm. And like, what's like two vampires show up and like Bessie's dudes? Yeah. Like not not a great showing by Buffy and Angel here. Maybe three because I know the one guy runs Maybe in. Three, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, the clodock ring seems like a great gift for one 17-year-old to give to another not when yeah, one of you promise ring situation. Not when one of you is an adult. Not mm. when one of you has seen like a civil war. Well, you know, it'd been a while since I saw this episode. So when like Buffy gets like thrown in the in the water and Angel jumps in after her, I was like, oh, is it like a thing where they have to go like huddle together and she's like wet, you know, and he's gonna yeah. dry her off? Like that's what leads to the sex. But like, no, they like go dry off and then go out again and then get wet again. Yeah, like I said, it's like the. This episode just like teases, teases, teases. Yeah. Um, vampires show up. I've enjoyed that fight. She gets them in the water. I mean, it's so cool. Like, especially for a show that like fights in the same parking lot and park every episode, like this looked good. So this is when Xander's having his rant about like, what's the future for these two characters. Um, and she shows up, uh, Changed clothes. New outfit. Yeah. She has clothes at school and she again looks fantastic. Jenny has driven Angel home to get more clothes. <laughs> What's that like? What's that yeah, car ride scene. like? 
Yeah, what kind of conversation are they having? And then is she just like, I'll be parked outside? Or is he like, you can come in. And then if she's inside the place, does he have a bathroom? It obviously, he has a shower. Is there a door on that shower? It's just like setups of a porno vibe. This is also when Buffy is sleeping and Angel comes out. And it's the whole like, you know, she's been tossing and turning and whatever. They all stare at him. And then Buffy in her dream sequence, she's at the factory where Drusilla has done all of her like, I don't know, flower arrangements and vines growing on shit. I think we see Jenny Calendar here. Yeah. Oh, you. Jenny Calendar is there in the dream. You've jumped over some real good stuff. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, well, I was, I was going to say in your point though, Drusilla knows how to decorate for a party though. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So Giles has done some research on the judge. Only a creature of pure evil can withstand it. Xander actually says, great. So we can just send Cordy after it while we all go for pizza. Again, public comment about the girl he's privately making out with shitty. Yeah. They're supposedly doing a round Robin where they call each other's parents to say that one of them's sleeping over. Uh, but Xander calls his own mother who doesn't recognize him. Yeah, he has to say it's Xander when he calls her. Yeah, good, good little bit there. Um, Xander does clearly does not like that Willow was like swooning over Oz. Get over it, Xander. Yeah, and there's a there's a pretty hilarious thing where um, uh, bef- not not just an angel sees that Buffy's falling asleep in Giles's office, that Giles and Angel both see it, and they both kind of like smile as like her like surrogate dads mm-hmm. um but yeah uh that dream she's in a white dress i mean there's like a thousand music video dissolves in this this sequence it's all these like pieces of the judge's body like the boxes that it comes in mm-hmm. and then drusilla's got uh, angel kind of hostage again holding a knife to his throat this is when she wakes up and screams angel and then he's right there to hug her yeah uh, we match cut from Buffy's eyes to Drusilla's where she's actually having a party. Uh, again, way better decoration. There's even a motherfucking punch bowl. She like, I don't know, asks for some music to be played and then like walks downstairs and like does this weird little dance. Mm-hmm. It's a whole scene. It's it's like her fucking uh, like wacko prom. Yeah. Yeah. There's 10 people at this party. Um, There's like a, a punch bowl of blood. That they're ladling out of. I'm just saying, if you have less than a dozen people at your party and you're the only one dancing, well, you might just be Jad Levinson cool at the office's dinner party. Uh, I mean, it's her party though, so she dance if she wants to. Uh, yeah. The song is Transylvania Concubine by Rasputina, and there is mm. nothing in what I just said that would not appeal to Drusilla. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So they assemble the last pieces of the judge boxes. He's reformed. He awakens. This is Brian Thompson in blue makeup of horns. Um, yeah, it's the same guy who played Luke the Vampire from the first season. Pretty cool way that the the box fits together and then it just like opens up and the judge pops out. I got to say, the judge kind of sucks. Yeah. He's also like much more blue in the first shot of him than he is like afterwards. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like a lighting thing or what. This dude's also the alien manhunter from the X-Files. Yeah. It's crazy to me that he never like accidentally played like a new TV version of the Hulk in the nineties. Yeah. He, uh, they want to like try him out. So poor Dalton. Yeah. Because he's, uh, into like books and, and stuff like he's a little too human. So he gets burned. <laughs> the judge only hates one thing more than humanity. And that's literacy. Yeah. And this is where Drew has her hold. Do it again. Do it again. Like there's insanity. There's some like do- old school Doctor Who, like spacey wacy sounds as he zaps this guy. 
Um, so the library, Buffy and Angel are going to storm off and go to the factory. Um, they get there. They're on a, uh, what do you call this? Uh, not a gangplank. What is this up here? Uh, catwalk. Catwalk. Uh, watching. Buffy sees a dude getting some punch. Realizes that she like saw all of this in her dream. And the judge like instantly senses them. This is when they're captured. And Angel's like, take me instead. Yeah, and this is the whole, no, you get to go first. You know, there's no instead. Yeah. And so the judge is, he's going to do Buffy first so Angel can watch. Um, but then Buffy manages to like kick him and Angel like drops, you know, so like, chains. There's like some chains holding up a bunch of televisions and Angel, you know, loses the chains and TVs fall and kind of explode because they're CRT monitors and they like make a hole in the ground so that they go through like into the sewers. Sure. And then they run away. Yeah. <laughs> and they're getting wet again because it's like raining when they climb out of the sewers and into the park and it's raining there. I mean, They've just gone from the sewer <laughs> to yeah. just being generally wet. I mean, I guess I would be thankful if I climbed out of the sewer the rain. and it started raining. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of back at Dangel's place. It's like, oh, Buffy, you can change into these clothes. Oh, I'll just turn around. Classic, classic trope of the romance where like one character has to undress when the other character turns around. And you always away. know that. Yeah, that's not going to last long. Yeah. Uh, she's got a cut. He like sits of her to inspect it. And it's already closed. But what if it wasn't? Would that be like an extra turn on for him? I mean, I don't know. Would he would he want to lick it? Because I'm always confused by by that or or feel it could lead to confusion about vampires because they're into these like sexy vices and erotic gluttony. I mean, is it like the it equivalent? never seemed it never seemed like as much a thing on Buffy as it is in like True Blood, where it's like it's like intoxicating. Yeah. You know? I mean like is it like going to the bone zone, like chomping down on some delicious mac and cheese? I don't know. Ooh. Mac and cheese, huh? I was trying to think of what what George is eating in that sub episode of Seinfeld. I think it's like a pastrami. Oh, God. Block of cheese. And he gets like the TV in there, too. It's like a trifecta. Yeah. Um, so Buffy's emotional because it's her birthday. He almost left town. There's these some like devotions of love. There's some smooches. Buffy wants to get even wetter. I want him to be like, hey, um, before we do this, uh, I'm like 100 years out of practice. I just don't want you to judge the old angel a little too harshly here. Well, I mean, she's 17. True. Um, yeah, so they, we just, they, they fucked. We just cut to them. Like, well, I mean, they, they, it's like they're making out and kind of like lean back onto the bed and then it fades to white. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're asleep. They're both naked under these sheets. Angel wakes sure. up with a burning. The next, we cut to him running into the alleyway, completely dressed. Yeah, he he wakes up with the burning and has to put all his clothes on and then run out into the alleyway, including his Buffy's brooding overcoat. Yeah, as Buffy sleeps alone. Um, I mean, it's somewhat of a cliffhanger. Like, oh no, what's happening to Angel? Uh, which led to uh, you know teenagers discussing this show the next morning. A thousand jokes about STDs. <laughs> I managed to find like some YouTube channel where somebody's like watching the show for the first time nice. and like unspoiled. Nice. And it seemed to her that like it was like, oh no, what's going to happen to Angel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember this cliffhanger worked in the sense that you sensed danger and you felt the mm-hmm. drama, even though you're like, I'm not exactly clear <laughs> on what the danger is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and we get the to be continued to just let us know. Yeah. And uh, we would have to wait 24 hours. 
Yeah. This was the big right. switch. Because uh, then we late, years later, we would get Dawn's in trouble. It must be Tuesday. <laughs> so then it is time for S2E14 Innocence. Mm-hmm. So this is the first episode of Buffy I ever saw. Wow. I saw it live. Yeah. Really came in at the right time here. Uh, the reason I watch it, because it was on before Dawson's Creek. The series premiere of Dawson's Creek was on after this. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What a weird night that had to be for you to go from this to what do you walk your dog to? Yeah. Usually in the mornings with Katie Couric. So the reason I was interested in Dawson's Creek is a Kevin Williamson show. Uh-huh. He'd done Scream and Scream 2, which I loved. Uh-huh. Um, you know, some of my favorite movies. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I got to watch this new Kevin Williams show. And so I, I watched this first because it was on. Mm-hmm. And then I watched Dawson's Creek. And uh, I would become a huge Buffy fan and stopped watching Dawson's Creek probably around like season three. Yeah. But, I mean, what what an episode to come in on. Possibly the best episode of the show. Yeah. At least one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what a what a splash. Okay, cool. I mean, I can only imagine, like, if your, like, first episode was, like, Oh, it's a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All right. This episode's called Inca Mummy Girl. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd been aware, like I knew about Buffy. I knew that the show existed and I knew that it had gotten like some like critical heat, mm-hmm. even though like nobody watched it or, you know, quote unquote, nobody watched it. Um, so I, I knew that like some people had some good things to say about it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a total shock or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I've got five for this year. <laughs> I've got 12. Wow. Okay. I think I were like top three and you're like, sure. Sorry. <laughs> there was, there was one of the seasons of loss where I had three and you're like, I got nine. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just, we're just never on the same page. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. Um, my number 12, <laughs> it, I want to put any and all sassy, campy Angelus moments, but really I want to put, a scene he's not even in where he's just, just written, was it good for you too in Vincent Schiavelli's blood? And I just love that Giles is like, he's only trying to make it harder for you, Buffy. And she's like, he's only making it easier for me. Um, number 11, she storms right into Miss Calendar's computer class and just lays this woman yes. out in a chokehold. Yes. Uh, Someone's like, should we call the principal? And he's like, uh, Giles is there for some reason. He's like, uh, no, class dismissed, everyone. Just leave. Uh, yeah, so like Buffy's like, How'd you do it? And Giles, like, trying to defend Jenny. And so Jenny admits that she she did know this would happen. And he's like, Whoa, 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 what? But stuff here. Um, 10, following from the previous moment, Buffy wants Angel recursed. Jenny can't do it. Buffy says, Take me to someone who can. Then we cut to Vincent Schiavelli, close up on him. He knows someone's walked in and he's like, I knew that she would bring you. But I love this cut because it's not Buffy, it's Angel who's going to yeah. kill him. I love that, like, Oh, you're thinking, oh, Angel will get like resold and everything will be fine by the end of this episode. <laughs> nope. Uh, number nine. Indicative of how much I love this character now in this rewatch that I didn't at the time. I'm naming all the stars. You can't see the stars, love. That's the ceiling and it's day. Oh, I can see them and I've named them all the same thing. This terrible confusion. <laughs> oh, it's yourself. Um, number eight. Remember, we hate the remember the we hate Cordelia Club. You are the treasurer, of which you are the treasurer. Yes, uh, and then Willow, of course, points out cold blooded line that Xander would rather be with someone he hates than with her. Ouch. Yeah, um, but to be fair, 
the complaints that we're making about Xander in no way reflect upon Willow. Because obviously Willow has a huge crush on Xander, but she's never, other than this one moment, making him pay for it. No, no, I wouldn't say so. Um, seven, uh, in the van outside the army base, Willow and Oz like broach the subject of making out. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to make out with you. It would appear to the casual observer that you're trying to make your friend Xander jealous. And in my fantasy, you're kissing me. But don't worry, I can wait. Number six. Good old Oz. Yeah. At the library, Xander brings Buffy the box of the trinket they got from the army base. And Xander's like, happy birthday, Buffy. I hope you like the color. And then <laughs> with that. See, sometimes Xander has his moments. That's yeah. the, the paradox of Xander. And with that, like right on that scene is Jenny wants to know if she can help. And Buffy's like, get out. So Jenny yeah. appeals to Giles' defender, and he's like, she said, get out. Get out. See, there's Ooh. there's like these times when Giles is just an excellent surrogate father figure and like siding of his slayer. And I realized yeah. that one of the things I loved the most at Buffy was the same way I looked at Veronica Mars, where like I'm 50% okay with Logan and Veronica, but the relationship that mattered to me was Veronica and Keith. Yeah, yeah. Just like sure. Buffy and Giles is what mattered to me. Um, what's mm. your number five? My number five, the fight under the sprinklers. And like, like it's like the movie lobby or wherever they are. Um, yeah. Just a good fight yeah. and some good lines between them. A classic, you know, end of the fight where she just kicks him the balls because she's not ready to murder him yet. Yeah. Um, for me, the five, the Scooby gang meets in the library to go over all the new shit that has come to light. They need to figure out how Angel turned evil. So they started like pressuring Buffy for the deets. She's like starting to figure it out based off her own insecurities with what happened the night after they had sex. So she freaks out and runs out. Willow gets it. And once um, Buffy's gone, like Xander's going to hold thing with the love quadrangle, blah, 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 blah. Giles is worried about Buffy. And he's like, I can only imagine what she's going through. And Willow's like, no, I don't think you can. <laughs> that was like two different scenes, but sure. Well, it's, it's all in the same scene. It's just a lot of moments. Sorry. Hmm. Uh, we're at number four. Yeah. Uh, when Willow catches Xander and Cordelia making out Ooh. and it's they're just like oh fuck you know and then like she chases him out or she he, she runs away and he chases her out and they have that whole conversation you know you're the chairman of the we hate Cord or the, the we hate cordelia club of which you are the treasurer um yeah it's brutal that's this is where the show it just really nails that teen angst in a way that like it, it's still that's still like a a slightly raw you know source of pain there i would say mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and also people put expectations on others that they're not even really aware of at times mm -hmm. until until those expectations are not met or broken um number four at the mall buffy and the others show up buffy's up at the kiosk it gets his attention at the crossbow to the chest and then uh he's like you're a fool no weapon forge can stop me and she's like that was then this is now. And she pulls out a motherfucking rocket launcher. Goddamn legendary <laughs> iconic. I mean, I love this He's show like, before. What's that do? Yeah. I love this show before, but holy fuck. <laughs> uh, my number three is the confrontation with Angelus in the school hallway mm. where uh, he's just like, Willow, Xander, come here. I want to show you something. And like Xander kind of runs away. And he like to, I think he's supposed to like go get Giles or something like that. And then he stops like, wait a minute, there's something weird about this. You know, he comes back. Um, Jenny calendar shows up and it's like, get away from him. Willow. Yeah. It's all good stuff. Well, it's like angel suddenly has a charisma that he never had before. <laughs> um, 
My number three is Buffy and Angel are fighting in the mall. Like you mentioned, she hesitates when she has a chance to stake him, kicks him in the nards instead. And he's because he's gloating. He's like, you can't do it. You can't kill me. And as she's walking off and he's just like clutching his, his bruised balls, she's like, give me time. Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing. You don't see enough of the uh, like the uh, the kicking of balls, like, the, you know, the ball pain these days, I feel like. No, it's like it went out of fashion. Yeah, I mean, also, coincidentally, it's been a long time since I've been kicked in the balls. So <laughs> I can remember having like an argument with my friends over whether or not it was like ethically OK for a girl to kick a guy in the balls. Really? Yeah, I was like, a, I think it was in like journals room. I remember like a long discussion about that. What did they say? What did you say? So I think their position was like that could potentially like prevent a guy from having kids. Oh, fuck like, off. But my, my my positioning was always you're not going to get kicked in the balls unless you've done something that deserves getting kicked in the balls. Yeah. So, you know, or, do with that what you will. Or unless she's a keeper. Yeah. Uh, where are we at? Number two. Um, somehow. I, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't have. 12 i had 11 so okay. that was my that was my number three i don't have a number two you go for it all right uh so just the scene with angelus kind of blowing off buffy when he meets up with her it's fucking brutal she's like was i not good and he's like no you're a champ yeah like man um just the absolute horrific nightmare scenario of like how that could go with somebody you know, after you had sex with them. Can I give you some behind the scenes? Sure. This is Joss Whedon's favorite episode. Uh, yeah. So you, I, I assume you have the uh, same piece of trivia that I have yeah. from the wiki. Then. Yeah. Yeah. That he uh, wrote that exchange. He wrote the line. Uh, I just, I should have known you couldn't handle it. And he sat back from the keyboard and said, I might be the worst person in the world. Maybe telling on yourself a little there, Joss. <laughs> I just want to know who the cast member was yeah yeah I'm, uh, i mean it's we're we've never really i'm talked a messy about this bitch who loves drama I'd, I'd love to know we've more never talked about this there. on air we've talked about this a lot off air but we're amongst buffy friends now i am fucking dying to know i mean i have a guess but i almost feel like it's it'd be unprofessional to say so on a podcast i think you and i discussed we have the same yeah guess yeah 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 mm-hmm. um yeah and that person Joss. it's bunnies um <laughs> What's your number one? Uh, my number one is the scene at the end of the episode with Buffy and Joyce. Nope. There's a couple like good exchanges there. Buffy says, I got older. And Joyce says, you look the same to me. Mm-hmm. And then the last lines, Joyce says, go on, make a wish. Buffy says, I'll just let it burn. Yeah. I felt bad having 12 scenes. And I would have put that. So instead, my number one is um, similar. Giles gives Buffy a ride home at the end. Uh, she's worried that he's ashamed of her. And he's mm-hmm. like, it's not over. I, I suppose you know that he'll come after you, particularly his profile. Uh, well, he he's likely to strike out at things that made him the most human. And she's like, you must be so disappointed in me. He's like, no, 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 I'm not. She's like, this is all my fault. And he's like, no, I don't believe it is. Do you want me to wag my finger at you and tell you that you acted rashly? You did, and I can. I know that you loved him, and he was proven more than once that he loved you too. You could have known what would happen. The coming months are, are going to be they're going to be hard. I, I expect for all of us. But if it's guilt you're looking for, Buffy, I'm. I'm not your man. All you will get from me is my support and my respect. And it's like, God damn. And I, man, I didn't even like realize at the time, like how healthy, 
like the Buffy and Giles relationship was, particularly at this point. Yeah. You know, like it's completely glossed over me at the same time. I was just like, fuck yeah, Xander's a cool dude. I mean, this is also back in a time when we really didn't analyze TV shows the way we do now either. No. no. I mean, this was one of the first shows that television without pity back when it was called Mighty Big TV Mm -hmm. uh, recapped. Like it was like that and like Dawson's Creek were some of the first two that I can recall them doing where people started really like going deep on like every line of dialogue in episodes and like kind of like, you know, picking into the themes and whatnot. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, just a reminder, too, you can buy some of uh, Jacob Clifton's recaps from that site on Amazon, and I highly suggest that people do. I'm trying to remember, I remember not reading the Buffy ones as much as like some of the other ones, <laughs> just because they like weren't as funny, I guess. Like, at, like that was the I don't know, kind of the downside of that culture is it started what they called the deep bitterness society about Buffy or like right around season four, Mm. they like started a message board on television without pity. That was just like hating on Buffy pretty much. And how much like the, they were bitter about the show now, which like that's fine and all it's just like, I don't know that is really the best way to spend your time. Also two seasons too soon. Uh, I mean, I love season six and seven, but that's where I could see the legitimate timeline of people's gripes. I mean, I guess I just feel like all TV shows kind of go through that arc. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like Buffy is one of the reasons I'm somewhat forgiving of a lot of shows. Because, like, this is, like, a show that, like, clearly had no budget. And they have, like, two outdoor sets, you know. And it's, like, the CGI is going to suck. And you just, like, you kind of just, like, accept that, like, some of the episodes are going to suck during a season. It's, mm-hmm. like, well, look, well they, they spent all their money on the previous episode. So this one's just, like, you know, whatever they could manage. Um which is why when I watch TV now, I'm not like as like hyper critical as some people are about like, oh, that episode didn't move the plot long enough. It's like, eh, you know, what are you gonna do? It's TV. Well, you are and you aren't. If this was a Netflix show, you would complain about the pacing. <laughs> oh my, that's a different issue though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Netflix, it's not an issue of budget. It's just that they don't really seem to care about episode to episode you know, like managing their drama. It's just like, we're just going to make this long slog. That's like three episodes longer than it needs to. And it's not like, Oh, we like didn't have budget for this episode. And we had to pan out the right time. It's like, no, you have the budget. You're just being lazy. And like, I don't know, not working as hard as you can. It's a different iteration of the, uh, the equation that leads to how many episodes the season order should be too with Netflix. Mm-hmm. They really, I don't think they really care what the, the the content is it's that you have this many episodes and oh we've seen your outline you've got you know only so many plot points we don't care don't add more that's the problem of making everything like pure serialized television is that like there's no opportunity to just be like oh we're just going to do like a fun one-off episode it's like everything has to move the plot forward because people are so plot focused now Mm. and netflix is also like it's also in our rules that every season requires one episode that's set solely in the past of these characters for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spike and Drew at the factory, uh, Spike thinks they should bounce. The judge is like meditating and like regrowing his strength to end the world. And Drusilla has like vision gasm. That's like left her. Like Spike, is, Spike is speaking for all of us and just being like, Hey judge, you kind of suck so far. What's going on here? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Drusilla, it's like she's collapsing in pain. And it's like, oh, is this 
is she experiencing the same thing Angel is? And then she starts to smile and you're like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. Buffy wakes up in bed alone. Uh, he's been outside like screaming her name for who knows how long. And she's like slept through that. But outside he's like, oh, I mean, shit. it was just that good, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this 200 year old Irish guy was just slapping against the back walls there. Yeah. Um, some woman comes across him on like her smoke break, ask if he needs help. He jumps up because he's evil and he bites her and then like drinks her blood and then blows the smoke that he seemingly yes. sucked out of her jugular. <laughs> blows the smoke out. Yeah. This is twice in this episode where they're like, you know, what's evil smoking. Yeah, I know. There's another moment later where he like lights a cigarette and you're like, yep, he's bad now. <laughs> he never smokes again in the entire show. <laughs> Whereas I feel like Spike has always played like I've got a nicotine habit. Angel's just like, I just felt like having a cigarette because I'm bad. But great cold open. Um, uh, well, then we have the scene where like Buffy comes home and she's she's being all quiet, letting herself in the door the next morning. And then she starts like stomping up the stairs and like her mom calls her. And so she like pretends like she's walking back down, which is funny to me because what's the point? Your mom knows that you were at Willow's the night before. <laughs> is it just yeah. habit? Yeah, I know, because I, I, like, she almost gives herself away, like, no, I'm going to go shower. And it's like, uh, why didn't you shower already? Yeah, yeah. And mom has no idea that she just spent the night with an Irish guy of dumb hair, you know. Mom's just like, I smell sex on you. Flopping his ancient curse around, yeah. Uh, she, yeah. Has, she has mom powers. She can send something. Uh, and Joyce, Joyce has, like, powers of uh, not sensing things on this show. Yeah. Joyce has had a few bad moments. At the end of season two, oh, it's she's like got all a the real all the bad moment. All the characters on the show, are, or the parents on the show, are like willfully ignoring what's going on in their town. True. I mean, obviously, nobody will ever surpass Hank Summers as the worst father of all time. Yeah, that bastard. Um, the library the next day, or later later that that day from that morning, the Scooby Gang has been scouring bus stops and airports and the docks to see if the vampires are moving the boxes around. Xander spent the night at the bus station where he had 400 pound wino offered to wash his hair. <laughs> I mean, did money exchange hands or is he just being courteous, Xander? Um, yeah. They realize that no one's heard from Buffy. And so Xander and Willow get like righteous as fuck. They want to like charge in that factory and rescue her or die trying. I mean, thank God Cordelia points out what an utterly futile gesture that would be. Cordelia's bangs, by the way. I think they're really something. Bangs. Mm-hmm. It's a gamble, man. Um, keep your money. Uh, Buffy shows up and they're relieved. She mentioned the judge has like been reassembled. He's active. She's worried because no one's heard from Angel because um, he hasn't beeped anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so they had those cell phones. Yeah. She spins this story that's like uh, lying by omission about how they hide in the sewers and then split up. Got split up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so as it all I'll, uh, go on the net yeah. is what Rosa Moore says here. <laughs> I'll search the net for anything on the judge. Okay. Like, what? Just imagine, <laughs> like, going to Alta Vista and being like, the judge, enter. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of pages that aren't going to be. Oh, I keep getting reviews for this shitty Robert Downey Jr. movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the show that gave us the episode Ted. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. So there is a moment here where like Cordelia is just like, 
um, oh, maybe you'll find something useful and then I can read book to Xander to like, it's like they're trying to make it seem like it's like a back and forth. They just like insult each other thing, but I don't think that dynamic really works. Um, it does in places, but here it plays off him. Like, like he doesn't even do a snarky comeback. He's just like, me believe I have to fucking deal yeah. with here. And it's like, no, Cordelia's great. You might be the problem. Um, later, or like right after that, Jenny's watching Buffy from around the corner, like like super suspicious. The camera tells us there's a hilarious poster on the wall there that says, "If the thought of losing your life doesn't keep you from drinking and driving, imagine losing your license." <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> yeah, so then Buffy's talking to Willow, and she hasn't really revealed anything yet. She's just like, "Oh, I wish Angel would contact me. Really need to talk to him." I mean, imagine not just being the character, the adult character who's got this problematic background for nineties TV. It was like trying to keep a vampire from being happy and getting his soul back. But like now you're finding yourself super invested in like a teenage girl's sex life. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny's just like, man, I gotta get out of town. <laughs> I can teach yeah. computers anywhere. So back to Spike and Drew. Drew, uh, Drew's just like lying on the table there and he's like, oh, are you feeling better? And this is where she's naming all the stars because she's bonkers, but in a fun way. Yeah. And then Angel shows up or Angelus, I should say. Yeah. Which they're kind and, of wishy-washy on the Angelus name for a while here. Sure. Whatever. And he has this whole little, uh, you know, thing about how he moved to New York tried Broadway's tough sledding, but then one day while he's working the chorus, the big star twists her ankle. <laughs> well, they did the thing where like the judge instantly tries to burn him and he's like, no, he's clean. And they're like, what? I sense no humanity in him. Yeah. Uh, they're like thrilled to have this guy back. He's like smoking cause he's bad now. Um, at one point, Angel growls at Spike like a jungle cat, which is hilarious. He also kisses Spike on the forehead, which yeah. uh, I'm sure a lot of fanfic was launched just from that moment. The The dynamic here is interesting. I would have maybe rewatched this season if I was a writer on Angel season five before they started doing those flashbacks. Because um, <laughs> like Spike's just like, what do you mean? You just want to like toy around with her before killing her. And it's like, do you not remember Angel's whole thing? <laughs> this is his whole thing. He's super campy. Um, I mean, the dynamic of these three is just bound to be uh, troublesome in general yeah. just because of who Angel is, and he's the one who turned Drew like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, I love the spikes on here. It's like, oh, now it's four against one, which are the kind of odds I like. <laughs> So yeah, so he wants tonight to like to himself so he can torture her. And he's just like, she made me feel like a human being. That's not the kind of thing you forget. I just forgive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like, yeah, especially like, like again, Spike, he did the whole psychological torture on Drusilla. That's why she is the way she is. Though I guess I, I guess you could argue then Spike doesn't see her as damaged. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he just made her better. The next bit where Willow's on the phone with Buffy, I just love the little bit, the thing where Xander says, say hi for me. And she's like talking about like some heavy shit about like, oh, I'm sure Angel's not dead. You know, no, you just need to wait. He'll show up. And Xander's just like, yeah, say hi for me. It's kind of shitty. Up. She's like, say hi for me. He's kind of shitty. I mean, I think we've established that. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
So he actually goes to apologize to Cordelia, which blew my mind. Um, and she points out that he'll always. Well, I mean, if you're if you're Xander and the hottest girl in school is like decided that she's like into making out with you, don't you want to put a little bit of effort in there, Xander? I mean, come on. You should, but it should be different kinds of effort. But like yeah. she points out that he will always rush off to save to Buffy. He wouldn't put her first. Uh, they've got some banter. They start making out, and this is when. Would you say that uh, when things get rough, he just hides behind his Buffy? Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Um, this is when Willow finds them. Yeah. Classic uh, shot of them like making out, and then they pull apart, and there's Willow in the background. I don't care who you are. When Willow gets hurt, your heart breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it doesn't, you're a monster. You need to be staked. I don't know why we're even thinking you. You don't have a heart. He's also got like a like a big dumb sweater on. Mm-hmm. This was I, what passed for fashion for men in the nineties. Sure, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I wasn't wearing a lot of sweaters back then, but maybe that was just me. Well, let's uh, let's go back into the museum of your youth and find out what's in that closet. I mean, I guess I was like in the winter. I think I more wore jackets. I was never. I hate pullover sweaters just because they're like they're not easy to take on and off like a hoodie. You know. Okay. Yeah. You didn't really do hoodies in high school, though, did you? I had some hoodies. Did you? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, the 90s was a bad time for fashion, and it shouldn't be held against anyone, at least not us. I'm sure we're like five years away from like 90s fashion coming back. You think so? That's just, it's it happens in cycles, man. That's just how it goes. So. Because in the 90s, you remember, like 70s fashion suddenly came back. Well, the 90s was a weird decade because we cycled through the 70s, the 80s, and our own up our buttness of the 90s itself. Um, so let's say, okay, pandemic comes to an end. World returns mm-hmm. to normal. You can go out and do something with your hair. Let me ask you a question. Frosted tips. <laughs> I mean, I, I tried to get frosted tips once and like it ended up being just like a bunch of leopard spots on my head because the stylist didn't know what she was doing. Um, which i think the only i think the way you have to do frosted tips is you just bleach your hair and then wait like a month uh yeah or uh like, like goatees like suddenly it became a very 90s thing yeah yeah did the goatee thing for a little while you're doing that now or you got like the whole like quarantine beard thing going yeah i decided and maybe i'll never shave again i'll become really? one of those okay. guys i'll become one of those guys wow okay i'm just gonna be one of those dudes with, like a huge beard not a huge beard. talk to you about like linux or something no 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 I, I, at a certain point, you have my permission to break the glass and pull mm-hmm. out that session of Cryptonomicon about how guys with beards are stupid. Um, I, mean, I think that's a little oversimplifying it. But still accurate. Um, so Buffy had Well, the, the funny thing, if I may, you know, please uh, go on a tangent about that, is that his girlfriend has this whole, like, like doctorate that she's writing, you know, or like a thesis that she's doing on how like why men grow beards and like what it symbolizes about masculinity and this is it's in cryptonomicon yes yeah yeah cryptonomicon yes and so then he grows a beard because of it yeah it's just like super passive aggressive mm-hmm. cryptonomicon by neil stevenson yeah um mm-hmm. i mean but i i've known people who is like they started dating a guy quote unquote for his personality it's really because he had a beard the dude shaved a beard the relationship ended and it's like well that's a i don't know whatever People have fetishes. Good for them. Um, mm-hmm. Buffy heads home, decides against going inside. So she goes to uh, Angel's place. 
Uh, he shows up there like shirtless, but all now also wearing leather pants. <laughs> yes, of course. And she's like, Oh, I'm so worried about you. And, and she's like, where'd you go? And he's like, I've been around. Um, he's going to relish dunking on her. This, the, the exchange that I found especially brutal was, uh, You've got a lot to learn about men, kiddo, which I kind of think you proved last night. Ah. Ah. It's just, <laughs> yeah. It's Ooh. it's so harsh. You yeah. kind of wonder how, how somebody finds it within themselves to write these lines of dialogue. And then he leaves her there. It's his place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um. So Jenny goes to see he's her. Just, she's like, was I not good? And he's like, you were great. Really? I thought you were a pro. <laughs> he's like, lighten up. It's a good time. Doesn't mean you have to make a big deal about it. Bells ringing, fireworks, dulcet choir, pretty little birdies. Come on, Buffy. It's not like you've never been there. It's not like I've ever been there before. Which Man. makes me think, I don't know. I mean, we know the angel fucks. Or Angela's fucked. Well, he's 200 years old, yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Spike got more fun out of fucking. Okay. I don't know. It's weird. I guess I guess Spike is more human than Angel in a way. Maybe it comes of youth. I mean, I was, so, I was thinking about this. I was watching this last night. Do you remember the, like the, the final part of the origin of Spike, like after he turns his mom, because he's a huge mommy's boy? Uh, is that from the uh, like season seven? I don't think I remember that. Now. Yeah, he like turns his mom. That's like the whole genesis of like the song that Robin Wood is using to brainwash him. And then the mom becomes a vampire and she's just like, you just spent your whole life trying to get back inside. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucked up. Um, yeah. So Jenny goes to your uncle and he's just like, Jana, vengeance is our fucking jam, baby. Um Lays it out. Angel's always meant to suffer. If he has just that one moment of happiness, if that he's got the the great line, "We're not wizards, Yana. We merely play a part." Yeah, if that happens, like a weird call forward to the musical. Yeah, um, a lot of vengeance stuff would have been great if Anya showed up here. But he's like, if that happiness is stroked out of him, like through, like say, like a series of rhythmic but pleasurable movements involving dexterity and stamina and a little psychosexual genesis quoi, he will lose his soul. So Jenny storms out because she's like, you're all fools. You're all fools. Um, well, he has the line or is it something like, it's not justice we serve, it's vengeance. Yeah. Like he doesn't care that like, you know, she's like, people are going to die. And he's just like, yes, you know, it's not justice we serve, it is vengeance. She's like, you're a fool. You're all fools. And he's just like, oh, yeah, that's how we roll, man. The, um, I want to say the Buffy Angel crossover, which the crossover was actually just flashbacks. They've like found the camp that turned or that took his soul mm-hmm. or gave him the soul. And they found the person who can like possibly re him and like spikes just killed them. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, so at the school, Xander and Willow make up. They're going to go over the prophecy or whatever the loophole with the judge. And like Xander, of all people, actually see something in the wording, the army, blah, 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 no weapon forged, blah, blah, blah. Um, you have to remember that Xander was magically transformed to an army guy for Halloween earlier this season. And he like sort of remembers some of it. Well, it was so funky because he was just like he just becomes a generic army man who somehow has like gleamed onto the information of the local army base. 
like yeah. he knows access codes and shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so that's the scene you're talking about. Where Angel shows up and he's evil and he's like bathed in shadow. I mean, it's it's uh it's Ezra in in the silhouette in the doorway in shadow play. You know. Yeah, I see that. Although I I'm curious, when you watched it, mm-hmm. could you tell that he was vamped out? Oh, like last night? Yeah. No. Because on my TV, I could clearly see it was still dim, but I'm like, oh yeah, I can see his face looks a little different there. The Hulu airing is like a little grainy. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So man, like you said, Xander kind of senses something's wrong, manages to save her. Um. Buffy shows up. Yeah. Angel throws all his evilness in her face. Things are going to be very interesting. He kisses her and throws her down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so after the commercial, I guess it's Scooby Gang's library because all the new shits come to light. Um, this is a huge scene. You get like every cast. Buffy's, Buffy's just like, you know, over in the corner, quiet. And she's like, oh, the things he said when I saw him at the house, he's different. And, uh, I think Giles here is like, what things? And she's like, it's private. I always like that line reading for her. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, she's so good. Um, mm-hmm. My God, she's so good. Uh, yeah. So after she stormed off and like Willow started to put together, it's interesting to see the subtext that play with the quad, love quadrangle. Like when Xander thinks he knows how to like stop the judge, he's got a plan. He needs Cordelia. He also needs wheels, big wheels. So they need Oz. Um, there's a whole thing where it's just I mean, this like, is nice and all, but like, why is this plan that he just needs Cordelia to be trashy? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cause this is what he thinks of her. Er, yeah. Um, yeah. It, also, you know, minor continuity issue. It's like meet at my place in a half an hour. And it's like, okay, cool. This heist will happen tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> also like, he's like, Oh, Cordelia, wear something trashy Er, and like, she's wearing like, a skirt and a blouse and like a sweater tied around her neck. Like she could not look more preppy. Yeah. But sure. Xander. I mean, also Chris Carpenter has a little bit of the va 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 voom about her. Um, she's selling like hot babe who for some reason gets hot at the armory, whatever you need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just love the, uh, child's like, I can only imagine what she's going through. And I was like, no, I don't think you can. He's like, uh, hello. I too lost my spring flower as a wee lad in the hidden garden of my burgeoning blow goodness. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Angel comes back or Angelus comes back to Spike and Drew and they're like weird factory. And he's just like laughing about how great that was and how satisfying spike my boy. <laughs> yeah. Cordelia or not Drusilla. Sorry. Um, it's like, you don't just want to hurt her, do you? You want to hurt her just like you hurt me. <laughs> Spike should be like, mm, that's a that's a red flag. <laughs> he tells Spike to kill this girl. You have to love her. Which he will do. Well, yeah, one of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they should know this, this whole thing. Um, yeah, so we're getting the seeds for Spike's turn. Obviously, like in the loosest possible PLL terms here. Um, well, it's when Buffy goes home, she looks at the giant uh, crucifix that he's given her, which, God, that thing looks like it weighs a couple pounds. Um, she takes off the ring and that, he, that Spike or that, that uh, Angel gave her in the previous episode and cries and lies down on her bed and does some good crying. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like, uh, like Spike's got this kind of 
early Caleb Rivers energy. Spike and Drew, I don't think they have a ship name. We'll just call them Haleb. Later, we'll get something like Spaleb and Spuffy, with an unfortunate mm. twist. Yeah, I don't know if I'd quite make that comparison, but sure. I'm always looking to make that comparison. Yeah, when she collapses in her bed in tears, there's some real after-school special piano playing. Um, then we get the kind of somewhat dream sequence. It's like flashback to Angel and Buffy going at it, but it's all like very close-up shots and a lot of just like, you know, hands on sheets and, you know, sex noises, which supposedly is Joss Whedon and like their sound editor or something like that, I rather know. than uh, than SMG and Dave Boreanaz, because he felt like too embarrassed to ask him to do it. Interesting. It's uh, it's like a cross between the opening of Hiroshima and Amor with like a Sarah McLachlan video. Sure. And then it's a rare angel in daytime shot where it's like they're at a grave and Buffy's there and Angel walks up and he says, you have to know what to see. And then she like turns and there's um, Jenny Calendar and like a veil behind her. And that's what somehow tips off Buffy that like Jenny Calendar is up to no good. Yeah, not just a grave, like a, like a funeral in this dream. Yeah. Uh, so the next day she comes storming into class on a mission. This is when she like just chokes out Jenny Calendar like on the desk in front of her students. Uh. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I didn't know it was going to happen. You know, I was Angel's supposed to pay for what he did to my people. I was supposed to watch him. And Buffy's like, on me, what was I supposed to be paying for? And she's just like, sorry, I would have told you if I knew. Well, like Buffy realizes it was definitively her and her moment of Angel. Yeah. And Jenny has to explain like the one true moment of happiness to Giles. And he's like, oh. Well, he has to, he's like, what are you talking about? And he like looks at Buffy and Buffy, great acting by Sarah Michelle Gallagher, just like the look she gives him. You know, it's like, it's, ashamed but knowing at the same time and he's just like oh i'm gonna take my glasses off and polish them now yeah i mean explain to me how sarah michelle geller hasn't been given roles that would lead to her like getting an oscar well i mean she did some rom-coms and then just kind of transitioned to mostly voice work and being a mom i guess yeah i mean good for her i mean i remember watching the first episode of what was that called the ringer hmm um because i wanted her to have a show and it was yeah it was not she had like an evil twin or something yeah i think she might have been the evil twin to find out that the other twin was actually more evil sure yeah um so we get the we get to the military base at night um it's super dark well real quick this is where vincent chivali gets murdered by angel here yeah i love this misdirection i really do Um, where you see the door open behind him he's like i knew she would bring you here yeah yeah um i i mean like i said angelus only gets more campy as time goes on but i would love to have seen the scene with uh vincent chivali and buffy and he's just like sorry fuck your boyfriend <laughs> uh, so we're at the military base uh you can just imagine like riley and forrest are out there somewhere sucking uh, just just out there sucking yeah um there's like troops doing maneuver at night it's like super hard to see them um Fascinating shot because we're like high up looking over this fence, watching them do maneuvers. And we like pan over to a van approaching. It's like a lot of camera work for a little TV show. So Xander Cordelia sneak in. They instantly get caught by like a soldier. And Xander pulls like, hey, I'm a soldier too. I want to bang this chick in the armory. And this guy's like, sure thing. You've got 20. It's the whole like chicks like the big guns thing. And then when they're inside, she's like, is that true? 
It's like looking at guns make you think of sex. And he says, I'm a 17-year-old boy. Looking at linoleum makes me think of sex. Fair. Yeah. Uh, this is the scene then where in the van at Will and Oz are branching are broaching the subject of like making out. Um, well, the I love the dialogue here. Will says to Oz, so you want to make out with me? And Oz goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> this delivery is just hilarious. It's kind of van. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Jenny Buffy and Giles go to Vincent Chiavelli's hotel room. He is dead. So this is the uh, was it good for you too?" written in his blood. Oh, he's such a creep. Um, yeah, so John's like, he's only trying to make it harder for you, Buffy. And she's like, he's only making it easier for me. I know what I have to do. And this is then the library. She's been given the rocket launcher by Xander. Again, great line. Happy birthday, Buffy. I hope you like the color. Well, they're back to uh, Drew and Spike and Angel and their warehouse and whatnot. And it just kind of the the way they all move around where it's like Drew comes and like sits on Spike's lap in his wheelchair and he's making out. And then like Angel comes over and kind of pulls her away. And it's like, oh, there's Spike getting left behind. You can, you, you just sense the uh, the problems that this will cause down the line, like mm-hmm. this dynamic here. Mm-hmm. Just like as if Angel showing up doesn't like emasculate Spike enough. He's also in a wheelchair. <laughs> um, yeah. So the whole Scooby Gang like shows up to this factory later, and like Spike's just like hiding in the background, listening to them talk about like, oh, there's. And, you know, they're all gone. The bronze is closed. Where would the judge be? And then Oz is just like, well, I know if I was going to line up, I know where I'd be. And then I like, cut to the mall. I feel like the the thing of Spike is like we're like suddenly programming the audience to be ready for his like turn in se- at the end of season yeah. two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they the Angel and Drew show up at, with the judge at the mall who starts like frying people and like sucking out their essence. It looks pretty good. Um well, he does it to the one guy, and then he's going to do it to a whole bunch at once, which I guess, like, takes a while yeah. to, like, do them all at once. Also, we get the shot of uh, the whole Scooby gang, like, walking with, like, uh, Giles and Xander carrying the bazooka, which will be a classic shot in the credits, like, mm-hmm. for the rest of the show, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. And so she gets up on the kiosk and, like, gets his attention by, like, shooting a crossbow, like, an arrow in his chest. And um, that stops them from zapping everyone, and presumably they all just run away at that point. Yeah, and the, you're a fool. No weapon forge can stop me. And that was then. This is now. She pulls on a motherfucking rocket. And like Spike and Drusilla are both like, oh, we got to run. Oh, shit. They like dive out of the way in slow mo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, judge gets blown up real good. Yeah, he sure explodes a lot. Yeah. I, and then it's like, oh, we got to find all the pieces. There's like, the thing where Oz is just like, um, arm. Yeah. Well, like before that, there's a great look on Oz's face. Like he's realized that he might enjoy being a member of the Scooby gang. For sure. Um, so Buffy and Angel get in a fight, like in a hallway. Uh, sprinklers go off. They're soaking wet. He's again taunting her. At one point, he kicks her in the face. His hair like actually like kind of falls down because uh, even all the gel he has in it can't hold up to the water. Yeah. Um, you really notice when they cut to the wides that like these are stunt people. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. I also know that, like, there was, like, some sort of weird drama right around the end of either season three or season four where, like, they switched stunt people because, like, the main stunt guy who he was, like, the main stunt coordinator and he also did the stunts for Angel. Mm-hmm. Like, he was dating or married to the stunt woman who who's the, the Buffy stunt woman. But, like, there was some drama between, like, them two and Joss. And I don't know. I just remember it was a whole weird thing where he's, like, posting online about how, like, like Joss, like, was, like, favoring his princess 
you know, over everyone else. I don't know. It was, it was weird, but it was like an early sign that like maybe there was some weird shit going on in that set. Oh, well, this uh, changes the landscape of needless wondering about who's doing what with who. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so this is the she hesitates and she has a chance to stake him. And he's just like, you can't do it. You can't kill me. So she kicks him in the balls and walks off. And he's like, she's like, give me time. I mean, I guess kicked and getting kicked in the balls still hurts the vampires. Still have balls. Yeah. Yeah. We got the nice scene with Giles and Buffy there about how uh, he still supports her and respects her. Mm. Nice little moment. And then I think just the last scene with Joyce and Buffy while they're watching uh, Stowaway, like an old black and white movie. Yeah, from 1936. And she just like rests her head on her mom's shoulder. And I think the the nice touch here is that like Joyce doesn't try to get her to like spill the beans or whatever. Like it's just like you just need someone to sit with you. Well, they they kind of intentionally steer away from like there's something different about you type of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, it's not like she's forcing her daughter to fess up what's wrong. It's just yeah. like you need someone and I'm I'm here. So that is innocence. What an episode! the uh, The main ship of the show just gets completely turned on its head by uh, him going evil as soon as they have sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, the metaphor, obviously, but also just the willingness to be like, we know everybody loves Buffy and Angel. Well, too bad. And it'll get worse. Like, there's the the scene coming up when he goes to talk to to Joyce alone. Um, I don't recall that. What happens there? Oh, he, he, like Joyce is coming home and she's like, Oh, hi angel. And he's like, I need to talk about Buffy. She's been so different since we slept together. And she's like, Oh my God. (laughs) I remember they had to do the thing where they, um, they do a spell to like make it so uninviting. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course we get to, haven't we met before? You hit me in the head with an ax, get the hell away from my daughter. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Um, oh, one d- detail I know is interesting. This episode, instance, was the highest rated episode of Buffy ever. Wow. So we're at a 5.2 Nielsen rating. Because they pulled you in. Yeah. 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 I had to be there for Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I mean, conversely, over the next several years after this, I saw uh, way too much of like the last 10 minutes of episodes of seventh heaven (laughs) for angel. (laughs) Yeah. That show was garbage. All right. Well, any complaints? Xander. He just comes off like such a tool. And I I feel like there's ways you could have written the character to kind of downplay that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really kind of just a reflection on not only who Joss Whedon was at the time, but like what was acceptable at the time in society. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, there weren't a whole lot of people out there in 1997 being like, Hey, this Sander guy is kind of a sexist. It's like, no, he's just being like a witty guy. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, Jenny calendar's background. Jenny calendar's background. Yeah. That's rough. Um, those are the main ones. If you could make one change to this, I don't know. I don't know. Particular episode or, uh, season or I don't know any any changes you'd want to make um, really in the Buffy run here I think it's it's I don't know I mean it I'll say this though Jenny Calder's background didn't come off terrible to me at the time 
of course, neither did Xander. And I know that's an excuse, yeah. but I think there's a way that you could negotiate her, her past and their, their, you know, background. That's not going to be a sore yeah. spot going forward. Um, I feel like the judge could have felt like more of a threat. Like this is supposedly them saving the world here. Mm. Like he could wipe out all of humanity, but it never really feels like it to me. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe they just don't give him enough focus or the threat never seems as extreme. Maybe we're just like too worried about Buffy and angel. So we don't care about the judge that much. Yeah. I, um, like if the judge had been building up for half a season, maybe that'd be a bigger deal. I just I have flashbacks to like how lame the anointed one was. Yeah, um, yeah. I, but when this episode started, I forgot that his name was the judge. I kept thinking it was a Kafla who's the That's same the role. One for, at the end, right? Yeah. The one of the season. And it's like, wow, they have a lot of these kind of overarching yeah. demon plot devices. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got uh, 13 of my power rankings. Look at you. I've got 11. Okay. And I, I mean, I, I suppose this is for season two. Um, so at number 13, I've got the judge cause he sucked. Okay. Did not make my list. Yeah. And uh, number 12, I've got Billy Ford. He also sucked. <laughs> he didn't make my list either. <laughs> okay. Then, I wonder if your 11 and my 11 are the same. I guess we'll find out. My number 11 is, um, I could really switch 10 and 11, but my number 11 is Lily slash Chanterelle slash Anne. Wow. See, I would have rated her higher. If I, I, her on I, I know. I know. She should be. I had Mr. Xander Harris at number 11. Ooh. Which, uh, I mean, to be fair, that is that is the modern ranking. If you were to ask me in 1997 where he put him, he'd have been like probably two or something. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he was just so cool. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, at 10... Kind of based on what we watched um, and a little bit of what I remember from elsewhere this season, I've got Joyce Summers. Oh, yeah. I did not rank her. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number 10, I've got Angel. Ooh. I mean, Angel, he he has his moments in like the Lie to Me episode, but overall, he's kind of a big dork. Yeah. Um, at nine is where I have Xander. Okay. I've got Jenny Calendar at number nine. Okay. I love that name, Jenny Calendar. I mean, it's a little bit of a, uh, you know, inspiration for Jenny Valentine for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, all, all, almost all Jennies are great. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight, I've got Cordelia. Uh, we really don't get in much of her or enough of her in these episodes that we watch. Yeah, I got, I got Cordelia as well. Um, I feel like you really started to appreciate that character as the show went on and then when she moved to angel um, until they just like completely wrote her off because she had like a fight with Whedon or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, she, there was, you know, less to Xander than bit the eye and more to Cordy. I think you could say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lots more. Yeah. Um, or we have seven. I have Drusilla. Okay. So I put Angelus at number seven. Oh, interesting. So I split those two up. Okay. Uh, it's, oh, Jesus. You know what? I fucked my list again. How do you screw this up? Because I start with one portion of the list and then I start tweaking and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to have more than 10 and this person's going to go higher. And I just do a lot of moving around as I think of new people. So my, my other other in between here, my 6.5 is Daniel Oz Osborne. (laughs) 
Do you like not have them numbered or something? I do, but like I said, as I add more numbers and start moving around, I think of a new person. I'm like, oh, they should be higher than this person. So now I'm moving a bunch. Yeah, it's where I, that's where I usually fuck okay. up. Okay. Uh, well, I've got Drusilla in number six. Um, was really surprised on rewatch how much I enjoyed her. I think in the past I was just like, oh, it's Drusilla. She's weird, and like I don't know. I was way more into her this time around. Yeah, and they 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 lose the thread of her after season two and all and whenever she returns i mean she's like doing like a lame imitation of herself on angel um the scene in fool for love where she and spike break up in the flashback (laughs) with that guy and he's just like i'm gonna go call me with his (laughs) dripping antlers (laughs) yeah uh my number six i i put angel and angelus here Okay. Uh, um, Angel, I don't know. The, the, the dynamic between Angel and Xander is fascinating because Xander's constantly dunking on Angel. Like, and in, in, in Angel does not push back. He doesn't fight against it, which, in one hand, is smart because don't get into a pissing contest with a teenage boy. You, you, you're well, no, better like, than that. You don't, you don't need to. You're just like, I'm Angel. Yeah. But, like, it clearly bothers him because, like, when they're walking to the Sunshine Club and he's like, stop calling me dead boy. Um, but then Angelus is a lot of fun for, for most of his run. Uh, what's yeah, he's, he's, I mean, good job by David Boreanaz, like really inhabiting the, the different, the characters differently. Like you can tell immediately that like, oh, there's something different here. Well, and he literally is a pretty face who was discovered dog walking. Yeah. Um, and then I think for In the mornings with Katie Cork. Yeah. For the first season and a half, you're like. Yeah, this is exactly his range. Um, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, maybe he's there's more. And now, my God, he's had an incredibly long, weird career. Is this like latest show still on or like it canceled or it's I, like a Navy SEAL or something? I think it's still on. I don't know. I haven't been to the gym in a while. To, I mean, uh, I think they made the like what, there. 25 years of Bones or something, wherever that show was. Oh, easily like 30. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's number right. five? I've got Oz, my man. Okay. Okay. Just just good dude. Um, my number five is Jenny Calendar because goddamn. Rove the Mort, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I, I respect that. Mm-hmm. Uh number four, I've got Spike. Same. Good old Spike. Uh this is partially based on my memory of how much fun he was in season two, but also it's it's uh you know, because of my Spike fan club. Okay. Yeah. I was a treasure. Uh, Number three, I've got Giles. Interesting. Okay. Well, I guess I guess you were correct. This is the divide. And number three, I have Willow. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. But Willow's your number two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I could I could see certain sections of the show where Willow would achieve number one status, but it's kind of gotta be Buffy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Giles is my number two just because, you know, in these scenes when she needs somebody to be in her corner, he's always there. Um, They have, I think it's in Passion. There's the great moment where he goes after the people who just killed his lover. And, Uh like, he's, like, willing to die even though he knows he'll get nothing done. And she's, like, I don't know, like, I need you. Like, I need you to not throw your life away. And, of course, number one is Buffy because... 
she's great. This whole whole show she's, is, is she's the Slayer. She's yeah, the chosen one. She's it's built around her. I don't know. I just feel like later on as, as shows progress, it's like nobody's favorite character on the show is the main character. Yeah. Well, it's because they've especially with a character like Buffy, they've had to force her into all these different plot lines mm-hmm. for the sake of the show. Where it's like it's easier to be the second banana who's just there as like supporting cast. Yeah. Because my my pet theory on the one episode and when Spike returns in season three is I think that because he does scenes of Willow and I feel like they were doing a chemistry test where they were going to do the exact same storyline of Spike later, but with Willow. And then at some point somebody was like, you know, he's got outrageous chemistry with uh, SMG and she is the star. I saw some article somewhere and I don't know how much of it is true, but like supposedly there was like a little bit of a rivalry between SMG and Allison Hannigan. Hmm. Which I don't know. I, I guess it could be true. I'm not necessarily the same, is it? But I, I could see how people doing the show were like, you know, Allison Hannigan is an asset as Willow. We need to make sure that like we keep her storylines juicy. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, and, and she's good with characters like Angel and Spike. Like, it's fun to put Willow, the kind of like shy wallflower, in a scene with people like that. Yeah, I mean. I've read all the stories where it's like as the show progressed, SMG just like pulled away from the cast even more. And you had the thing where by like what, like season four, most of the cast was like hanging out at Joss Whedon's house to do like play, like like Shakespeare read throughs for fun. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I mean, if you're Sarah Michelle Geller, and it's like you work 18 hours a day and you work every single day. Yeah, I can imagine you'd want a couple days to yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um yeah, so who knows? All right. Um, I need to answer real questions. Do you have to be a little bit of a bastard to do the things that Josh Whedon does to his characters? Uh, what is it? Uh, I'm not going to give you the things you want. I'm going to give you the things you need, was his famous quote. Yeah, well, I think about Innocence in particular. It was like, you know, Buffy and Angel together is what the fans want. It's not what they need. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my frustration was... I want to say after season two, they announced like o- over the summer, Angel will be back. And not only uh-huh. will he be back, he He's will have get his own show. Yeah. And you're like, why are you telling us that? Like before season three, well, they kind of had to basically because it takes a while to create yeah, a show. Yeah. They couldn't like go make a whole Angel show and like not tell anyone. I mean, it, it definitely not that I was like a huge uh, Angel and Buffy fan, but like it definitely like cast this like lame duck thing over there. All their I guess I I didn't mind. I'll put it that way. Okay, it's never a huge Buffy Angel ship. I'm not like like anti or opposed to it. Like it's fine, mm-hmm. but I was never. I don't know. But I think because this is the first episode I saw, mm-hmm. like I wasn't there for the you know the good times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely made me think about when like uh, Faith shows up and she's like testing the relationship, and it's like he's going to leave anyway. Yeah. Uh, would we recommend Buffy to yeah, people now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can if you're not see if this. you're used to more modern TV, you got to be prepared for the fact that like it's pretty low budget and the effects aren't very good, and you know there's a lot of kind of bad '90s fashion. But I feel like you should still be able to enjoy it, even if you're you know like a millennial or somebody's in their 20s or something now. Here's my argument: if TV is just a thing you do, something you look at when you're not working, sleeping, or pooping. Uh, and you don't really give a shit about what you watch 
fine. Watch whatever you want to watch. That's great. If you're somebody who, you know, you're happy, you're proud of the opinions you have about TV, you like to be a part of the discourse in whatever fashion you do, I would argue this show is essential. This is core okay. learning. You should, you cannot, I don't know, man. At a certain point, you can't be like, oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I just. I mean, there is a lot of TV out there, so I understand if people haven't. But I, you know, as to, time to me, this is a better quarantine watch than like you know some crappy Netflix show that's on right now. Yeah, especially Outer Banks. But like, as time progresses, things fall off the syllabus. Like, uh-huh. I, I won't hold it against you if you haven't seen every episode of Cheers or Frasier or whatever. But like, Buffy should is still in the core. Like. And I'm sure there's probably lists out there you can find or it's like these are the essentials, you know, like for Star Trek or whatnot, because there's certainly lots of stuff you could skip and you're not going to be missing it. But the, the first season of Buffy is a little hard uh, to get to like Prophecy Girl and Prophecy Girl is still super dated. Oh, and, you know, there's just a lot of like, you know, like go fish with Xander. Like you probably don't need to see that. episode. <laughs> also super skeezy. Yeah. The fish, the swim team is turning into like fish rapists. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I feel like there's only one possible answer for the episodes we do for next week's. So are we staying in season two? Don't we have to? I was just hoping you were going to say that. There's three absolute essential episodes we need to watch. Passion becoming part one and part two. That's exactly. Yes. I mean, yeah. The the only one that I would suggest if you wanted to take it to four. It's okay if you don't. Would be I only have eyes for you. Oh, that's a Marty one. I mean, I could see maybe watching that. I don't really want to go do the full run through, but okay. maybe we could just like bring it up a little in conversation. Sure. Um, yeah, it should be mentioned Marty Noxon, um, kind of like the second of command to Joss. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the show goes on, she eventually becomes a co showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, what is she doing now? I think she did the. Uh, What's the name of that Amy Adams show? Didn't she do that one? Uh, uh, Sharp uh, Objects? Sharp Objects. I think she did that, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last thing she did. And she hasn't really done anything since. I don't wonder if she's got... It seems like she's due for a new show. She did Unreal. Yeah. Um, she was on Glee. Wow, that's a waste of her talent. She was on Mad Men for a while. I mean, to the I don't bone. know. I feel like... Uh, yeah. yeah, Unreal. I want to say she didn't stick with it, but she definitely... Was there for the first season? She did. She worked on Mad Men for a while. What happened yeah, to Jane I'm, Espenson? That's a good question because she she ruled as well. Yeah. Let's see, Jane Espenson. I know she had some pretty choice credits there. I mean, you had uh, noted blowhard David Fury on the writing staff. Yeah, he's been on fucking everything. David Fury has been on like a million shows because he's an asshole and he doesn't stick around the writers room. Yeah. Um, uh, Drew Goddard also started on Buffy. Drew Goddard, yeah, went on to. Uh, was he the one who kind of like screwed over Marvel by like hopping to, to Spider Man or something like that? Was he that guy? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he really screwed them over, but like he was going to do. There's some. I think there's a little bit of bad blood there because he oh, was supposed to do Daredevil. He was going to do Daredevil and, then he, and he was going to yeah. do like Sinister Six movie or something. <laughs> None of that happened. He came up with yeah. the, the Sony hack for sure. Yeah. Jane Essenson, Buffy, Gilmore Girls, True Calling. Uh, what else we True got here? Battlestar Gal- <laughs> Galactica, Dollhouse, Caprica, Torchwood. I know she fun time stuff. Didn't she do like a web show called like Husbands or something? 
Yeah, I think that was on here somewhere. She's got a lot of Once Upon a Time, some a lot of credits there. Jessica Jones, and then a show called The Nevers. That's the new Josh show. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That that show's been in development for fucking ever, man. Yeah. I just really hope, like, Joss, we we semi canceled you. Like, I feel like you still never really came out, and like, I don't know. Not necessarily he needs to apologize to fans or something, but I feel like he needs to like make some sort of statement mm-hmm. to be like, yes, I was a complete shitbag. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like working on it or something. I hope his new show isn't I, I hope it doesn't feel like he's still using his bag of tricks from like the nineties. Yeah. Well because I, I feel like we got a, I mean, he's very talented, but it's like we've we've done a lot of this content already. Like you can kind of, you know, develop past that. I especially since this is like uh, a show about like Victorian lady X Men or whatever. Yeah, like if it's, I don't need if to it's hear love the same old the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, plotting wise, he could still do his thing. Um, well, he's. I mean, the way he structures and like you know finds kind of the conflict that you dread, but but you need. Like he's really good at that sort of thing, but. If he could just evolve his uh, dialogue a little bit, yeah, to yeah, not be quite so. It's, it's very, like everybody talks like they're a '90s LA person. You know? It's very pop culturey. Um, yeah, it's like a, there's an arch tone to it, which is why, like, he had to come out and say like how pissed off he was that when he did the rewrite of the X Men, the first X Men movie, <laughs> they like fucked up the, the delivery of all his lines, and it's like I feel like that's a problem when it's like, oh no no, this is actually a really great line. If you don't like, like fuck it up. And it's like, you do have good actors. Well, I I can appreciate the idea that like you have a style of writing where it's like, you kind of, you know what you want, but like maybe somebody else wouldn't direct it the correct way. But if you know that, like if you know, you're not directing, then maybe you want to be careful about the dialogue you're using. There is a great, do you know what happens when a toad to a toad when it gets electrocuted? It's like one of the worst lines in cinema. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be, after she like electrocutes him, she's just like shrugs and it's like same thing happens to everything else. But instead, she was like the same thing that <laughs> yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, also, that movie kind of sucked anyway. Yeah, it's 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 garbage. But uh, there was a funny thing where Sarah Michelle Gellar said that after she got cast in Buffy, she ran into her friend Kiefer Sutherland, and he's like, "What are you working on next?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this TV show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer." And he's like, "Wasn't that the movie my dad did? Seriously? Are you joking?" <laughs> Her friend Kiefer Sutherland. That's a that's a great great line there. Hey, if you <laughs> if you've got Kiefer Sutherland in your phone book, I would drop in my friend Kiefer Sutherland every chance I got. What's Kiefer up to these days? Seriously, throwing himself at Christmas trees. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a yeah, the never never doesn't say to come out till 2021. Apparently, yeah, I'm sure. Or I'm sure pandemics haven't helped that. Um, <laughs> There is a documentary called I Trust You to Kill Me. It's about a indie rock band that Kiefer like Fucking road managed for. I highly the title. I'm so jealous of that title. I trust you to yeah. kill me. It's uh it's he's gonna he's like producing this band and he like he's gonna road manage their tour on the uh winter hiatus from a season of twenty-four, and he is got such a sad, interesting, unique life, and I, I highly recommend it. Uh, I don't know where mm-hmm. the fuck you'd find it, but whatever. Yeah, so Buffy man, it's fun. It's uh it's really refreshing to go back into the show and kind of see the thing that I feel like informed formed me and informed me in a way. It, and it's find a foundational most of it, text for sure. Yeah, yeah, find most of it to be just as good as I remember, if not better. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we advance, um, because I, I feel like so we're doing like six episodes in season two. We might not need to do as many for season three and season four. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't need to hit everything like, you know, we can probably hit like Hush and like Restless. Like are, are there episodes in season four we need besides Hush and Restless? I'm not sure if we do. Like Beer Bad? No, we don't need to do that. Um, <laughs> obviously, you can't wait to get to Once Worth Feeling. That might need to be its own episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, just look, let's, let's burn those bridges when we come to them. Yeah, sure, sure. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about, I think it's episode 17, if I'm not mistaken. Something. Let me check the uh, passions. It's 17. Yeah. Episode 17, 21, and 22. Passions Passions and becoming part one and part two. Passion is the episode. Passions is the the soap opera that Spike becomes a fan of later in the show. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. All right. See everyone then. Bye-bye. Bye.